All right, welcome back to the I'm Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Freyway. I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. And yes, we have a special guest today. I'm actually going to let Kenny introduce his friend because I don't know you that well, but I know of you. And we have had like slight interactions in the past through uh, Critical Hit Plus, which is Kenny and Anthony's streaming channel on Twitch. But other than that, I don't I don't know you as well as them. So, yeah, Kenny, why don't you introduce your friend? Sure. Sure. OK, <laughs> this is a uh... hype man. You're my hype man. <laughs> All right. Well, then, if I'm the hype man, you are now in the presence of Big Dick Nick. Whoa. Um, <laughs> this is what we call him in the streets. Uh, but no, this is our friend Nick. He is a game developer. He works in game development. Um, many of us here are all super nerds. We play a lot of video games, watch anime, movies, etc. And he has ascended to the dream that I think many of us have at least thought about doing at one point. 100%. And that's actually making games yeah. not just playing them so i thought it'd be cool to bring them on boy i'm gonna destroy those dreams for you destroy them destroy <laughs> them but it'd be cool to have you on to talk about how hard it is and how you know or how fulfilling it is and also um i don't know the road to getting there some games that you worked on uh some things that some people might not realize go on behind the scenes like something i remember when we were playing tears of the kingdom is you talking about like I do not fucking envy whoever coded the water in that game or like whoever like whoever made the water physics work and everything how it has to interact with water and everything like that and like you know when you play a game you don't think about you know the fact that it maybe took some some intern a whole year to get that to work but anyway mm-hmm. this is Nick I don't know if I'm allowed to say your last name but I'm so used to saying it so I might say it by accident so I want to get permission now that uh, sure 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 it's fine are you sure yeah yeah all right yeah, yeah. but yeah this is Nick Thandy expert game developer seasons let's, let's not say put expert in front of that let's just say <laughs> game developer <laughs> i like we'll that let, we'll let, let the people decide you know yeah yeah bring the yeah. ceiling down yeah. some you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i like that so you are a game developer which is like kenny said a dream job for most people especially growing up like now i couldn't imagine myself doing something like that because I do produce officially with all the uh, videos and the podcasts and stuff and going into this realm of being a content creator. There's so much work that goes into just creating that I can't imagine more detailed and backing it up. Like I'm taking things that are already done and putting them together in a way that is entertaining the people. You're taking something that's not even done yet, something that's not even been created, creating it and then putting it together to entertain people. So it's like a step further than what a producer like myself does or what a creator like myself does. Uh, so uh, I just want to hear about your perspective on, like, well, first of all, why, why game developing? Like, why did you get into this career? Was it something that you always thought of doing as a kid? Well, I was in high school and I was playing a lot of Maple Story. Um, oh, same life as Kenny. Yeah, yeah. Well, different, you know, Kenny Kenny gets it. Uh, <laughs> it's playing Maple Story and then it's playing the way I did. Um, and uh, actually, uh, that's how I met Cheyenne and that's how I came to meet any people here. It was actually through Cheyenne playing Maple Story. So yeah, because- elaborate on what you mean by that, though. You, you make it sound like you played Maple Story in a different way than Kenny played it. Well, before... Uh- yeah. Before that, I just want to say, if you can't tell by his accent, when he's, like he said, he met Cheyenne, and that's how he met all of us here. Uh, he is not from the States. As yeah, I'm an Australian. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't tell. So I met him on the online video game, Maple Story. Nice. Uh, and so basically, that was my life in high school. And then we had one of those, like, trade show days where people come to the school, and they've got booths. And there was one booth there that was um, game development. And I was like, be a cool game developer. I'm like, shit, I can do it. I like games. I like video games. 
I do, I, do, I do the occasional video game. Um, and all the other booths were like, become a plumber and become a marine biologist. For some reason, they're obsessed with marine biology. Like, half the kids in that year want to become a marine biologist. Um, I don't get it. I don't is that a it. Seinfeld reference? It is not. It is. It isn't. It is, but it isn't. <laughs> it's legitimate, I swear. All right. Um, I'll, I'll take your word for it. It's a small, beachy country town. I, I, I swear. I swear. <laughs> I swear to NL. That it, that it was, uh, you know, they all want to become marine brothers. But I want to become a game dev. And uh, I didn't even, like, my town was so not nerdy. I didn't know about anime until until university. I just didn't know that was a thing. Oh, my God. So what like, I age? Knew about like, 18? And DBZ because of morning TV. But I didn't know about, like... Like, you didn't know that was a thing called I didn't anime. know about One Piece. Yeah, I just thought that was, like, a cartoon. I didn't know it was even made in Japan. Why would I know that, you know? Um, so you lived a yeah, shelter so, life. I lived a sheltered life. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so the age that I really even touched anime and that, that whole fandom was like 20. Oh, damn. 21. Even later than yeah. I thought. I said 18, but. Yeah, yeah. That's actually insane. And that was when I was at university. That was step two, going to university. It was a fun time. Um, and my degree turned out to be pretty useless. What'd you uh, go to university for? Uh, game design. So, so you go to university and you sort of are thinking to yourself, this is, this is great. I'm going to go to university. I'm going to get the education. I'm going to be set up. I'm going to come out. I'm going to know stuff. <laughs> Such a lie. You're going to be like, yo, that guy's got a degree. Let's hire that guy. That is not what they said. Um, <laughs> I came out and I was so woefully underskilled. So like, there's a, there's a certain level that you need to be at to be, to be hireable, right? Um, and the purpose of university, really, beyond anything else, is to get your skills to that level. Um, the actual degree is mostly worthless. Uh, you know, for, it's the actual skills you learn that, that really matter. Um, and those were not very well taught. A lot of my lectures were people who, there's just not a big game industry in Australia. So there's, there's a smaller talent pool. And a lot of lecturers had just gone through the course and then be like, well, there's no jobs. I guess I'll teach at this course that I just learned. Right. Uh, that makes oh, sense too. Oh, wow. There's even less. Because yeah. like America itself, right? We live in the United States and game design is, it's not as big as it is in Japan, of course, but it is something over here. Uh, where we do have studios that are, you know, based in the yeah. United States. There's a lot of studios. Yeah, like na nowadays. Nowadays. Um, mm. And so because we have so many studios here, I'm thinking about, like, you know, Japan being the main hub of video games, anime, stuff like that. Uh, Australia has to be super small comparatively. So I, I it's grown a lot, um, and Australia, New Zealand is one bubble. So, so I, I live in New Zealand because um, I just took a job over there, basically. Oh, how how far so is New Zealand one, from Australia? One, it is a three-hour flight. Okay, um, from essentially where I live now to where I used to live. Okay, so, so not yeah, far, yeah. really. Yeah, not not really. Yeah. They call it going across the pond. Ah, mm. that's why you guys have a very similar accent, right? Yeah, although having moved to New Zealand, I've come to realize that it's not that similar. It's like how Americans and ca Canadians sound kind of the same to me, but then once you start really interacting with an American and Canadian, you realize you start really seeing all the differences. Yeah, yeah. It's, probably, it's probably my perspective too, because I'm an outsider and I don't really know anyone besides you actually who is really from uh, australia or new zealand or at least that i interact with frequently enough to hear like any differences in the way you guys speak for yeah. sure but i but when you say canadians and americans sound similar i'm like yeah i guess it's the same thing for you where like you probably don't and i don't know how many canadians you interact with but i know you interact with a lot more americans but to to me like canadians sound very different from us 
Um, and yeah. so to you, I'm, New I'm Zealand. Pe- hearing it now. Yes, yeah. and New Zealand people probably sound different to you, who is Australian. You're Australian, right? So mm, uh, mm, very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The easiest way to tell the difference is, I think, New Zealanders tend to accentuate eh a lot. So, um, <laughs> and then you can. I the way I explained it, explained it is that you you just swap the I and E, so picture becomes picture. And, oh god and, and uh, you know, oh god not you just this swap the, the e in the eye and you got yourself a, a a new zealand accent i'm sure then, my new zealand friends are gonna love me saying this on, on and then what about uh what's no. it called is it bogan what is it? bogan oh my <laughs> yeah. goodness so, so that is a apparently that's a thing in new zealand as well so we just had a christmas party uh, at the company i work for and it was bogan themed what the um, fuck is bogan Bogan is like redneck, kind of. Oh, it's like Australian it's redneck. Sort of derogatory, but all, it, it's sort of not. It's it's just describing a subculture. Yeah, um, it's like when I say people are from the south. Like I say that a lot. Yeah, and it's kind of and, like and you say that to avoid saying something else. Exactly. Right? Like when I say that, yeah. it's not mm-hmm. nice. Like I'm not I'm not complimenting you if I say, oh, you're you know you're from the south. You know, yeah, like so, you're from so the that's from the place that fought for slavery. So go ahead. Yeah, well, okay, wow, that's not, yeah, Bogan, yep. it's nowhere near that intense. Uh, <laughs> are just, yeah, they, ha- they have a certain look, um, they have a certain way of, manner of speaking. Have you ever seen the YouTube channels, Friendly Geordies, or like ch- channels like that do a good job of sort of showing off Australian Bogan culture Caricat- as a caricature, but trust me, not that far. Yeah. It's not that far. Is it just, is that channel yeah. like entertaining? I, I don't think I've ever seen it, but. Uh, yeah, they've got they've got skits and stuff. Um, I haven't actually watched this channel in a long time, but he he is now I think a really popular uh, political YouTuber. Mm. So yeah, yeah, Australian political YouTuber, which is a thing apparently. Okay. Yeah, ever so, since I moved to New Zealand, I'm sort of like you know whatever, um, which is probably bad, but yeah. So going back on the topic though, so in Australia, yeah. there's um not a big game dev scene, so you have a lot of people that learn the trade. And then mm. don't get to make games. And so without having any real world experience of making games, they go into teaching how to make games. And yeah, then which, that's where like, you, you the next thing comes in. For, right? Like it's just it's just a, a loop of of uh, you know, learning and then you learn what you, you teach what you learned and then no one actually knows. It's um, how I feel about algebra teachers. Like I feel like they really <laughs> liked math, but then for whatever reason the, the only job they got was to teach math like they didn't get a job doing anything else with math they just like i'll just reteach it we had um when i was going through uni we had one lecturer who had worked at a game studio before um and it was so obvious like just talking to him and interacting with him and the feedback he would give versus the feedback that other people would give um just night and day compared to the other people there um you know and the the student teachers and all that yeah um he, he would just have a way of cutting through to exactly like the shortest possible sentence that describes what what it was he wanted to say about the thing that he was looking at i like that um yeah 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 so um you go ahead Oh, I was going to say, so so that ability is is super, super um, important for, I think, almost any sort of creative work. Just being able to look at something and instead of sort of umming and ahhing and, and blabbing about it, you just cut to the to the chase and say, it's this is this is the thing that needs to change. And just everyone's mind gets blown. Yeah, this is what's wrong. So you go you go to school, you get done yep. school. Yep. When you yep. got done school, did you feel like. Did you feel like you had the tools to start making games, or did you oh, even now know? Absolutely. So you got your degree, and you were like, "What, what else did I know?" I'm like, I, "I've just, yeah, exactly. I'm what? gonna, you know, I was applying to all kinds of companies all over the world. I'm like, I got my degree. 
You know, we you got your fucking game. degree. You think you know everything? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what does the curriculum entail for a college student, a university student who majors in game development? Is it actually a major in game development? Is that what it's in? So, it was. It was a uh, the, the degree that I have is a Bachelor of Interactive Entertainment, majoring in game design. Um, but the words don't matter. It's just a game design degree. The okay. curriculum wasn't poorly structured, but the problem with it was the standards to which it was taught. So we we covered things like basics of art, basics of design. Um, one really great course was actually communication. So just how to communicate with people effectively, um, which is a really good course for anyone ever. Um, but it's super important in game dev because people uh, people who get into game dev tend to be people who are not outgoing people. Yeah. They tend to be people who that that can have trouble communicating um, how they feel or what that they feel, even sense. though they're often very intelligent. Uh, that doesn't always come across. So a lot of my job is actually speaking different languages. <laughs> you know, I go and talk to a programmer and the programmer tells me about programmer problems and programmer thoughts and their programmer worldview. And I have to sort of translate that into something useful. And then I go talk to an artist and I get, uh, she will tell me about the artist problems in the artist world and the artist worldview, you know, and I've just got to bridge the gap I, I like that i actually, <laughs> like, actually that, figured, yeah yeah i like that you call yourself a translator between these departments um there's something very yeah. similar that happens in the accounting world so i'm an accountant and we have a bunch yeah. of different departments uh, a lot of people just think accountants and they automatically assume taxes and recently i've gotten a lot of questions about tax work and i'm like i actually just don't do tax work like it's not a thing um <laughs> but the, the same way uh, a doctor is an umbrella term right you could have a gynecologist you could be a heart surgeon or you could be in dentistry and there's all different things under that too like orthodontist and etc right um the same is true about accountants and so hearing about like a game developer like what you've done and also the fact that you kind of exist to translate between these departments is that is a job in the finance world as well usually they're called like project managers but they yeah. bridge the gap between like okay so we have i work with a lot of software engineers at my company mm. um and the software engineers are exactly what you described earlier where you said that they're people who aren't exactly the most outgoing they're not the best at speaking and communicating usually the best speaker or communicator is the manager of the uh, software developers and the actual people under the manager are kind of like you rarely hear them talk outside of their own banter amongst themselves but like if i walk over they will stop and look at me hmm. and be like who's gonna say something to it poke it i don't yeah. fucking know yeah. i don't want to touch yeah. it like what what do we do to it like i don't know like feed it something hey and i'm just like hi um so I hear that you guys are working on this new project and we're just wondering what you think. And then we just go from there. But it's interesting yeah. to hear that is the same thing in like your world to a degree. So just wanted to interject yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, uh, people who work in game development have, and I have not seen any statistics to support this. This is purely anecdotal, but um, I love, I love anecdotal comments really, like yeah, this. Yeah. I, I can tell you anyone who works in game dev will tell you this is true. Um, there are a lot of neurodivergent people in game dev. So yep, with no research think, studies, with people, no like actual, I can just tell you, I can just tell you yes. it's, it's yeah. So, uh, you have people who communicate in all kinds of different ways. Um, yeah. Does, do any of them communicate in clicks? Uh, like just straight clicks, up clicks? Yes. <laughs> no, no one who communicates in <laughs> okay. clicks. Okay, all right. But, um, you know, yeah. I thought he said clits, different... by the way. I was like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? I was waiting for the punchline. I was like, what is communicating <laughs> in clicks? Kenny over here. 
Yeah. So, so um, the the cool thing about that is that like the industry as a whole is probably one of the most. I I don't know a more progressive industry than the game industry. Like that's so interesting considering. Um, well, I guess yeah. nowadays it's a lot different. But so imagine gamers imagine being a trans person, right? And you go yeah. to work at a construction site. How do you think your experience is going to go? Probably not great. Probably not and, great and at all. Compare that to a game studio. Yeah. You know? It's what I was going to say though is that's interesting, and I think especially in the last five years, it's changed a lot. And there's been a lot yeah. more acceptance of that, of like different cultures. But it's funny because historically gamers, not necessarily game devs, but gamers have been looked at as being um, very like male focused, right? And like hating like yeah, gay people yeah, yeah. And, and girls right. and yeah. everything else. Yeah. Well, Fuck I mean, it was, it was kind of true. Edit like, that out. You know, look at internet culture uh, 15, 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah, just going through a COD lobby. Yeah, oh, go to God. a COD lobby from like 20 years ago. I've been called know? the N-word more than my ancestors in a COD lobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, yeah, I've been called the under the sun. Yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> they don't too. discriminate. Yeah. That's the weird thing, right? In yeah. a weird way. They don't, they don't care who you are. Yeah, in a weird way, yeah. they don't discriminate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I mean, they, I guess they they can't see you, right? Like, yeah, the people that they, they just assume they just they you just, can also you know. hear that someone's black, though. You know what I mean? Like you can you can right, I, right, I, right. like I like you can hear that. I always say I can tell when someone is black. They don't care. That's the thing about cod lobbies is they didn't yeah. care whether or not you were actually black. I remember joining a lobby one time. They're like, I can hear your lips on the mic. I was like, what? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> 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 Yo, what is happening? I right can now? tell that that is true just by how quick you fucking. And just said that i like, was, couldn't believe it. that is i can hear your lips on the mic it's unhinged territory all right let's try to write yeah. it in a little bit because this is already somehow this guy it was so wholesome yeah. it was about no, university and somehow. accents it's, there's no somehow about it it's just <laughs> now it's I, just the about things... the n-word and big lips and i don't know how we got here but i love it here and i just know that it's not appropriate so uh things that i've said on kenny's stream <laughs> Uh, I've heard about Kenny you, okay? You. He will tell you. He I, has. I, Kenny yeah. has told me is the thing. It's, this podcast is unhinged. Like, yeah. The, saying unhinged and, and regrettable things on a podcast, I feel, is part of the human experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. you're really living and, and, unless you've done that. Yeah. That's I mean, you think, you think our yeah. listeners really give a fuck about all the wholesome shit that we could talk about. They want to hear the carnage. They want to hear madness. Okay. That's, just how, okay. that's just how they are. We can get to some develop, mm-hmm. game dev war stories, by the way. I got them. Oh. oh I got them. Oh, oh, if you want to hear madness, just wait. Oh, there is actually about. some madness. Where, where, yeah, what do you mean? Is I'm going to talk about madness. It's madness all the life way on, down. It's all life madness. on the farm. Oh, oh, real quick, life on the farm. What is oh that? What is that under your headphone? Like, there is something. Oh, this thing. This thing. Oh, oh the side. This thing. Yes. So this is. He got some, shot. Uh, let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> no, no I, uh, this is a headset that I am. I am desperately. It is desperately clinging to life. Oh, I have, uh, it, it's I being have held together. taped the cord. You can see. Dan, uh, the, I know you're not this cheap. Like, I just and, know. Uh, well, I, it's actually because you can't get this headset anymore. So oh, you actually like here, the headset. This is actually a bit of uh, where is it here? This is a rubber band there. And this is um, just like paper towel. So for people it. who are listening to this and not seeing the visual... Uh, our guest, Nick Vandy here, has on 
over-the-ear headphones, right? Which look very normal, except there's like a fucking rolled-up piece of toilet paper that <laughs> looks like something you would wipe your ass with sticking in between his head and the actual top of the headphones. You know how the headphones have like the yeah. arch? There's like a rolled-up piece of toilet paper just kind of chilling on his head. And I've been staring at it's it thinking chilling. it was... A... It's got a rubber band. It's quite filmy. This has been on my, my headset for a year, by the way. I literally just thought so it know. was a pen. And then as you turn to the side sometimes, I'm like, that is not a fucking pen. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just wanted to know what it was. Um, I'm just, but here's you know. the thing. Why would I buy a whole new headset when with a rubber band... And it some, works. You know, and, and hey. I got a whole nother year out of it so far. Would you say neurodivergent people, right? Like a lot of them? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a lot. Like a lot of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no it's the same yeah, in my, it's yeah, the same yeah. in my uh my social circles because i mean i'm a Yu-Gi-Oh player for god's sakes you just know you just fucking know that there's nothing oh, yeah. but we're all neurodivergent i feel like i mean at i'm least, at kenny yeah it's at least two-thirds of this podcast right now no i think it's all i think it's all three of the thirds <laughs> I think all the thirds Kenny, don't even stop i will i will bring things up that have all the thirds brought up i could bring stuff <laughs> like it's not even good yeah kenny, yeah yeah mm-hmm. All of us are. I am a poser, though. Like, I am really capable of uh, assimilating and blending in with regular society when I want to. But mm. my true self, the person who I really am, is the person on this podcast. Like, that is the person on this podcast, the person who's friends with, like, you know, you guys and all of that. And then I go to work as an accountant, and it's like, I have to be a corporate American person. And it's like, I put on that mask. But yeah. otherwise, I take that shit off as soon as I get home. So I, I have not really yet discovered what, what brand of neurodiversity I have. I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't fit any typical description Tism. of ADHD. Uh, well, hey. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, so you know how I, how there's this headset. This is so normal to me, and you, you it just stands out to you. So I I wear flip flops. Being an Australian, I wear flip flops. Yeah, um, that's what you guys call them, right? In New yeah, Zealand, we call jandals. them New Zealand. They call jandals, and in Australia, genitals. Called... Wait, what? Yeah, Y'all yeah. call your flip flops genitals? It gets no, worse. No, jandal, jandal. Oh, I thought you said genitals. I was like, this place is crazy. <laughs> but for now. What's yeah. the mindset of maybe it being called genital? What do you guys call it in Australia? Thongs, baby. Thongs. So when, when my friend and I went to the US, I was walking around, everyone's wearing shoes, and I said out loud to him, man, we must, we must be the only guys wearing thongs around here. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. So it's, it's weird. <laughs> the only reason I know that uh, flip-flops or sandals or whatever you want to call them, especially the ones that go in between mm-hmm. your toes, the only reason yeah. I actually know they're called thongs is because I played a game as a kid on PlayStation 1 called Legend of Lagaya. And in Legend of Lagaya, throughout the game, you would get equipment. And for this one guy named Gala, he was like a thunder spirit uh, bearing guy. He got the spirit of thunder in him. And he was from a monastery, right? So he was training to become a monk. And he, all his like leg parts or his footwear was just called thongs. And me and my friend as kids, you know, we're stupid kids. We just thought it was funny. Be like, oh man, like electric thongs or whatever. And we obviously thought that they were talking about underwear. And the whole time... Thongs are actually just footwear, but in America, most people know thongs, because I was watching Degrassi at the time, and most people know thongs as, like, something that goes up a girl's ass, or guys nowadays, but, you know, that's what we typically know a thong as, but in your country, uh, if someone says, like, he's wearing thongs, they're talking about footwear, more than likely, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Um, Probably, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, in America, I, I had these opposite. I had these pair of thongs and I've had them for years and years and they they really start to wear in. You can like see my footprint. And it had gone on so long that last year when I came over, um I, I, I bought a new pair of them because I thought these are gonna these are gonna go bust any any day. <laughs> and I've got a new pair <laughs> ready just bust. in case, right? 
Because I'm wearing it, I'm thinking, you know, how far can they go? Like, because I, I, I literally was going to wear them through to nothing. Because yeah. the part of which it was thinnest was like so thin. You Why know? are you like this? Um, what what compels you to well, test well, on. And then I'm, I'm, I'm wearing them, and then one day my friend just looks at them and says, "Why don't you get new, new?" Um, why don't you get new ones? And I said, I've got new ones. And she goes, why don't you wear them? And I didn't really have a good answer. Like, I had my answer. So you fully bought new ones. <laughs> I, I immediately realized that I was stupid. Um, <laughs> that you that just, moment, I, you probably I threw felt them out and just got my new ones. <laughs> you probably felt so comfortable, too, in the, old, the ones that you broke in. Because I do know, yeah. when I was in college, I didn't have a lot of money at all. And I would wear, um, like, Nike flip-flops, Adidas flip-flops. That was pretty much my footwear. I did not really wear sneakers or anything that wasn't just like flip-flops. And when I met Kenny, actually, like I used to wear flip-flops all the time to locals. That was just like my footwear because I I also wasn't into sneakers. So I would have fit in more with like Australian culture because my feet were technically always out. Even though, I don't know if you guys do this. I wear socks with my thongs or flip-flops. I don't, I don't just technically have... a fashion crime over here. You yeah, see, I figured as much. Uh, most people frown upon that, even, apparently even in Australia. I don't think I've ever seen you wear thongs. But yeah, no, I don't wear it exactly. I'm I'm talking about like the Nike and Adidas ones. Like yeah, yeah, not the ones that have an actual thing that goes between. I mean, I'm saying to wear a thong. Yeah, so those okay, I think well, are called <laughs> here we go. Yeah, yeah they're probably more akin to a sandal. Yeah, but yours yeah, goes in between yeah. your feet, right? Yeah, that's what makes that's it called a, the plug. Okay, <laughs> that's there's another a, wild name for it. There's a lot when of similarities you, between a when butt you, when thong. You, when it comes out, that's called busting your plugger. You said something no, about... No, you're fucking making shit up. I'm not. Google it. He said something else about going bust right earlier, and I was like, what do you mean, go bust? Like, I'm actually just a really big Hunter Hunter fan, so I'm always thinking about um, pot cleans and Knuckles' ability where you go bankrupt. I mean, Dude. we love Hunter Hunter here on this podcast as well. It's one of it's one of my top five anime, so, you know. Really? It's yeah, that's... one of my top one anime. Oh, that, there you go. I mean, I, I don't fault anyone who has it there. It's... It's a little unfair that it gets the number one spot, though, only because it's just straight up not finished. And a lot of times it's being compared against things that are, like, actually finished and that probably didn't end too well. So it's like, damn, Hunter Hunter has the benefit of, well, we don't know how this really goes down because the author and the writer and the, the animators are never going to get to get around to it like Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. So you just got to live with that. But, yeah, Hunter Hunter's great. Anyway. Yeah. I've drawn quite a bit of inspiration from it, bits and bobs over time in game development. And actually, um, one thing that is super interesting to me is that, um, you know, so the the Greed Islands, spoilers for Hunter Hunter if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Actually, stop watching if you haven't seen it and watch that. I 100 This is a very entertaining podcast, but but it's not as good as Hunter Hunter. No yeah. offense. No <laughs> we did a Hunter Hunter episode <laughs> too, so please please watch yeah. Hunter Hunter if you haven't. It is Hunter literally Hunter one of the best it. animes ever. Yeah. They're not going to do an episode but, on us. We did an no. episode the, on them. Yeah, that's true. So the Greed Island segment of Hunter Hunter is is my absolute favorite like isekai like style mm. segment or, or anime ever because. Uh, he has put such thought not into, and this is a thing for Hunter, Hunter Hunter in general, right? Where he doesn't world build. He also thinks about how the characters interact with the world and the consequences of those interactions. So when they go to Greed Island, it's not this magical adventure where and everyone has to get all the cards. No, actually, people have all the cards. There's this stalemate because of the very specific laws of the game that cause a pro like he's he's created these laws and then thought about how that those laws would actually be applied how players would actually twist those laws and actually use them and the eventual result is a stalemate where people are killing each other and that is infinitely more interesting than if it was just a you know shown an adventure yeah gotta like catch them all to go find them yeah right like star yeah. chips or yeah. whatever the fuck yeah yeah i agree with that um, and uh i think um yeah generally speaking 
Um, I th- like the 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 mechanics of of Greed Island are actually I think pretty well thought out from a game design perspective. Um, can you yeah. ar- can you articulate a little bit on which mechanics? I've only seen Greed Island once in my life. So 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 the the looking at Greed Island as a game, the game mechanics of Greed Island. So things like the book and the different spells you use. You know, book gain. Um, there's also the magic cards. Um, those how those work. How those are limited. But there's bugs. That's another thing, is that there's a bug in Hana Hana. I don't know if you remember this, but you can actually gain the benefits of certain spell cards without using up the slot if you take it out before you press or, you know, do yeah. the spell. Yeah. And like, that's like, that's exactly what I'm talking about, where he hasn't just thought like, oh yeah, um, you know, of course, because players find bugs in games. Right. That's so a real why thing. why would this be any different, yes, right? Yes, 100%. And like, that is, that is one Make of the things real. that I absolutely love about Hunter Hunter is that like those, he has thought out those details to, to such a great it's like degree. exploits, just, which people love. Yeah, of course. Of course there'd be exploits, you know, makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. I like the realism that yeah. you brought up there. I never really thought about it like that. I never watched, I, I don't think I've ever watched a arc of anime or even Greed Island to be more specific with the thought of like designing a world for a video game or designing a game in general, because my mind has shifted so much from the days when I was younger and I wanted to be a game developer, not knowing anything about what goes into Mm. it, by the way, like literally Mm. not even the slightest clue as a kid. Just like I played a bunch of Final Fantasies. I played Zelda. I played Kirby. I played Mario. I played everything. And I'm just like, I want to do this. I want to make these games. I think I can make these games better. I can make these games cool. And as a Mm. kid, you just have Mm. this imagination where whatever is in your head, you just want it to be realized. Uh, Does that ever conflict in reality? Like things that you perceive in your head and you want something to be a certain way, or do you find yourself pulling things out actually the way they are in your head? Um, so that's a good question. So to, to start answering it, I'll say that, you know, I'm a game designer, so I'm a game developer, but my, my chosen discipline is game design. Mm -hmm. Um, there are sort of three major disciplines, although I feel like it's sort of mean to say that because the other disciplines are really important. Um, things like, you said they aren't or are, they are, they are. Okay. Okay. Um, it's just that when people wanting to get get in the game dev, they usually are aiming for one of three things. They're aiming for artist, programmer, or game designer. Um, those are the big three. And within them, there are huge clouds of of things. So um, I I wanted to be a game designer because I didn't want to do art and I didn't know how to program. So I was like, well, game designer, that's the only one left. Um, mm. But actually, game designer is the one with, you know, it's sort of like the architect that designs the house, right? You don't actually build the house. Right. You don't. Steve really Jobs. care how the house looks but actually when you're walking through Jobs. the house and you realize that the bathroom's far away from your bedroom so that you can't when someone goes to the toilet in the middle of the night you don't get woken up the benefit of having a game designer right um that's sort of the the rough explanation it's the explanation i use to people who don't know what video games really are because it sort of helps them appreciate what i do just a little bit um <clears throat> so Obviously, like each each of these disciplines, I'm just going to talk about those three because it's just simpler. But there, yeah. there are plenty of others. No, I love um, this. Yeah. So, so each of those disciplines has, you know, for instance, design will have a design director, and that person's job is to guide the path of design, um, guide the journey that the design team takes over the course of development. So, over the course of development, the design team will go on a journey. Right? You can call it a design journey if you want, and that journey basically looks like them figuring out what the heck they're going to make. That, that's essentially what it is, right? So you hear about games that have a really long development time, and it's likely that a lot of that is actually because it took them a, far, a while to figure out what's good or what's not good, or what works or what doesn't work. Um, this is a thing for all departments, but I, especially so for, for game design in terms of just guiding that game experience. 
Um, you also have a game director as well. This is just traditionally speaking. A lot of times you don't have one or, you know. But a game director essentially is the, is the unified creative vision holder for, for the whole game. Um, so so they are the director above all directors. And it's their job to, to guide the creative journey of the whole studio one way or another. Whether it be art, the art journey. Because the art team's going on their art journey, right? They're, they're doing concept art and they're like, oh, you know, this looks too much like Star Wars and this too, looks too much oh, like okay. Dragon Ball Z. And, you know, so you have an art journey and you, you're trying to figure out the style of the game and all that. Um, and then you also have a, a programming journey. And the programming journey is like, you know, how are we going to build these systems? What are the systems we're actually going to build? You know, because you don't just have systems, you have systems built on systems, right? So take take Tears of the Kingdom, um, which is a game that you've both played. I know Kenny's played I'm it. I've not played it. Fraser hasn't played oh, it, no, played but it. he knows okay. what Zelda is. Yeah. Okay, great. So, so Tears of the Kingdom has got systems um, that are very well utilized, and the game actually looks very elegant from from the outside. You know, you can you can drop things on the ground, so that's useful because you can drop items out of your inventory. You can also drop apples into spots and solve puzzles. And you stuff can drop like items out of your um, what? Out of your inventory. Your inventory. Yeah. Shut up, Fraser, yeah. right? <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> yeah, I can explain what an inventory is. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's yeah. just that. It is something that's funny, and I'm sure this is true in many other languages, but it's funny yeah. how many different versions of English there are. Right? Yes. Because you said inventory, yes. and like, Obviously we I usually say inventory. inventory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I wanted to be a yeah. dickhead because that's just, you know, it's fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm sure. So when, when I say inventory, does that sound weird to you? Uh, not really. I'm used to both. Yeah. Okay, you're used to, but yeah, because I, 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 I interact with so many Americans that it's that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. you interact with Americans. See, I, I it kind of sucks. I don't really interact with with your people, not like oh, as in white people, sucks. but like as in. Or, wait, are you oh, even? Wh- are I just want to say, can you? You're not are you white. Looking at him, and you know, saying, you're he's not, white. No, I'm he's definitely. <laughs> I mean, he's a person well, of color. I just don't know I'll what. You, color. I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue. You're Hawaiian. In the middle. You're just Hawaiian, right? That is that is your clue. Oh shit! You're mixed. <laughs> you're like black and white you're an oreo i actually appreciate you you know us us on that gradient yeah yeah so i'm half indian half half like european white okay. Asian, Australian. Yeah. i could definitely half tell that you're of color because when you first got on i looked i was like this is not first of all i never saw what you look like before. this is not what i signed up for the, yeah i expected a white i expected <laughs> a very white man to come on this yeah. podcast and he was well, just red, red hair and <laughs> yeah. you know what's funny right so like there is there is all this talk about like I, I know that this is like a slightly controversial topic, but like diversity, right? So yes. Let's get yes. Into diversity. So I, I promise you that like you're the only so one. Recently, recently I had an experience where I went and I, I spoke to some kids who who were high school kids, right? And they were interested in a tech career. And so I went with a a, a programmer and an artist, basically one one of each discipline. We all went and we all just put on a little slideshow and we talked about what it's like to work in the game industry. And I thought a lot about what I wanted to say to these kids. And I, what I realized that was really important to say, what? So I just immediately think, fuck them kids. Like, I'm sorry. Like, immediately when you say, yeah. when you say, I thought about what to say to these kids, my so brain, listen, I, my cynical brain, I say fuck them kids a lot on this show, okay? Because, yeah. I, it, like, in America, kids are, I don't know what they like where you're from, but in America, yeah. kids are awful now like they're well they awful. don't they don't grow up in fear of being shut up at a school so they end up growing up pretty good okay well that is that is that is a valid point that is a very valid so the kids here are growing up fast because they have they to they don't PTSD. they don't live long yeah yeah they don't live yeah. very long so they just gotta they gotta like grow up quick yeah uh, but yeah so go ahead you so, thought about so, uh, what you're gonna say to these kids 
Yeah, and I realized that one of the important things I needed to say is that actually, um, you know, I talked about neurodiversity. Essentially, what I wanted to say to them is, if you got bullied, this is the career for you. But I couldn't say that. Oh, wow. So I, so I basically said, you know, the game industry is full of people who are neurodiverse, and it is truly a place where anyone can, can be welcomed. You know? I like that a lot. And mm. that is because, um, boy, are a lot of game developers white males. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's what I was. I was, it, I was fully it, expecting like, you to be. Yeah, you yeah. were saying that you were like, I'm trying to get, trying to get like, less of these white guys. You know what I mean? Well, I, you know, like I'm not trying to get less of them. I'm just trying to because the reason why there's so many white guys is because of like we go back ten years, right? Like those Call of Duty lobbies. Like who's pl- who's playing games and who thinks they can? Who identifies as a gamer and who thinks that they can get be, get into game dev? Right? Mm-hmm. It's those guys. So like you know, turn the clock back. 10 years right and these are the kids who are going to be your, your next gen of game devs because you know the 10 year old kid playing playing games online for the first time is going to be the 20 year old deciding what they want to do with their life in 10 years so yeah. um now all the kids are playing Fortnite and and you know roblox and, and their so brains are melting away of, yeah, all, all, all well i was going to say so are the the gender norms and and stereotypes they're also melting away yes that's true so all kinds of like, you know, girls being gamers was not, it was a thing 10 years ago, of course, but it was sort of a, like, I don't want to say it was shunned, but it was seen as unusual. Right? Yes, it, it, was it definitely was a hundred percent. So, um, yeah, essentially that's, that's like how things shift over time. So, um, really actually see in terms, cause I've thought about this problem a lot. I'm like, how do we, how do we tell everyone they can be a game dev? It's not just this one sub, it's not about getting less white people. In not it's just about fucking saying, white open, people. It's just opening the gates to everyone. You know? Right. I like, I like um, the way you put that. That's a very a positive yeah. approach to. Because the gates of- are already open for them. We shouldn't close the gate. It's yeah. just, we just want to replicate that across everyone. Um, <laughs> and one thing that's been really huge is actually Stardew Valley. Um, cozy games. And I say Stardew Valley because that was the call of duty of, of cozy games. That's the one that everyone knows. Like, and yeah. Everyone, so what is Stardew After Valley? That game, just open for someone the who doesn't, games. for someone who doesn't, Stardew know. Valley is a is a game that sees you inherit a farm, and the goal of the game is to make friends, explore, discover secrets, um, fall in love, and experience the joys of living in a country town. And whip um, them it is, it is a, <laughs> You said it is you a you inherit game. a farm. You inherit a farm. Do they call right. it a plantation by any chance? You do all the work. No point. Yeah. No point. You do all the work. Oh, you and, do all the work? I don't want to fucking play this yeah. game. <laughs> I, my people have already played that game. <laughs> I don't want to fucking... The thing no. I really want to want to establish is that, like, so when Call of Duty 4 was a landmark game, because that was, like, a huge... If you were, if you were gaming back then, Call of Duty 4, that was the one... That specifically you know, 4? Specifically 4. I, I thought Modern Warfare 2 was, like, the crazy... Or Modern Warfare, it whatever. Was, I don't know what came Modern first. Modern Warfare. Like, Call of Duty Four was Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Oh, look at me! Look at me! Yeah, yeah I, I knew yeah. that. So, Go ahead. So continue. That is the one. That is one of the most important games ever made. Like in, yes. in, in all history. Because even um, I heard of it, and I do not play FPSs. And even Kenny, I'm sure, heard of it too. And he also doesn't yeah, really. Yeah, he, we, we neither <laughs> neither of us really play first person shooters or grew up playing them. That just wasn't our stick. But yeah. that game was so big and massive, like Halo, that you mm. had to know about it regardless. It, it impeded yeah. on your gaming, even if you weren't into it. So there, there are games that are big because they impacted like there, every there are games other industry. Gamers, and there are ba- games that are big with game developers, which is like a really cool concept, right? Yeah. So 
um yeah and, and like for the most part there are similarities but but not always like there is there are some like take this is something that shine and i love to talk about but like you know the movie avatar right that came out the blue people um the blue people movie 2009 okay. i think it came when it came out that movie did nothing for like fans like no one really gave a shit after that movie pretty true no cultural dollars no cultural impact but like it had a huge impact on filmmaking yeah just the know? industry as like, a whole because te- technology was created to 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 make that yeah yeah so like it's really big in the minds of of movie makers and stuff um but it's that, not big in the minds of consumers that right? movie launched 3d like that shit made 3d tvs become a thing that yeah, was being yeah. manufactured it made 3d monitors become manufactured it made 3d movies become yeah. big for a couple of years thank god they're going away and they're mostly gone as a whole how funny is it that none of those things like you can't go and buy a samsung 3d hell, tv anymore. hell no you know i hated i hated that entire don't care people yeah. don't care that's but, the, that's what my whole point people but, don't, didn't care but what you said is true though that that movie had influence over the filmmaking industry because we suffer for like a good five to seven years of just movies being 3d constantly and more expensive like the one thing i hated about 3d movies i noticed is a tangent i'm going to let you get back to your point so don't forget the one thing i hated about fucking 3d movies is that they cost more money blatantly and then they made you wear glasses that were just uncomfortable like flat out uncomfortable glasses you know yeah. You just and you throw them in the bin afterwards because yeah i hated that i hated 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 that so and the 3d was never yeah. to be honest outside of actual avatar so i've seen avatar three times in theaters don't ask why i've seen it three times in theaters the first time i saw it was regular the second time i saw it was 3d and i'm not gonna lie that was the best 3d movie i've ever seen to this day nothing has come close yeah. after it and i haven't seen anything before it where you wore the red on one side and the blue on the other side and that was like the really shitty version when we were kids um mm. but even when real 3d glasses were developed that weren't red and blue and all that uh after avatar i didn't see anything that was as impressive but avatar literally i'll never forget the one scene where they first go into that forest and everything lights up and comes to life everything starts glowing yeah, yeah. around you in the theater you could actually see things floating around you. And that shit blew my mind. So it was like, mm. that left an impression on me of just like, okay, this can be cool. And I did chase that high for a little bit, like for a couple, mm. like maybe two years, I chased the high of, I wonder if this 3D movie, because Saw had a 3D movie, like Saw 3D and all those everything. They never matched up to what Avatar was, but they all were inspired by the monster that that movie was for the industry. Yep. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no. Um, another example is motion controls. Who remembers that weird, wild adventure that the yeah, game industry took? The PS3 had uh, doing their yeah. motion controls that never really was used for anything much. This is, this is the cycle of, of the game industry. Nintendo innovates, right? Yep. Nintendo does something. Everyone else goes, oh my god, that is so cool. We need to do that right now. And they, they go crazy with it, right? That's where we're at with the Switch. And eventually, eventually, they all stop doing it because they, they fucked it up. They don't know how to actually do it. And Nintendo figures out how to best implement that that's where we're at with the steam deck and like nintendo ends up building into their their technology like the switch gyro controls are great i love those um yeah medina you know medina um he's both he's all of our very well i know him very well so medina actually started using those controls on monster hunter when we used to play uh because he uses the bow, which is a ranged weapon, of course. And yep. he would use motion controls. And I I, I kind of was looking at him like, I feel like you're doing this just to be different and not because it actually works. Because in my oh, head, oh, I, I, I knew about the ones from the past that were fucking awful. Not by Nintendo, though. But the ones well, in the past that were really bad. Go ahead, Kenny. On that note, I use motion controls on Monster Hunter Rise as well. Because I don't use the bow or anything. But in Monster Hunter Rise, you have the... um. 
the silk bind, which you, for anybody, basically Spider-Man, right? Yeah. And the, there's preset ways to do it where you can do a preset angle up or a preset angle forward. Yes. But if you held one of the buttons, you could aim exactly where you wanted to shoot your right. silk bind. Which is and, just a superior way of doing it. And so I, exactly. And so I would always aim, but in order to aim, you either had to use the right stick, which takes your thumb away from the buttons you want to press, or you could use the motion controls. And the motion controls on the Switch Pro controller are so precise and good. I would just use those. And like, you can really quickly like do wrist flicks and go exactly to where you want to go while your thumb is still occupied on the buttons you want to use. So are you moving the entire Switch when you do that? Is that what's happening? Well, the controller, yeah. Well, you're playing Monster Hunter Rise. I'm thinking of, um, I guess I'm thinking of playing it handheld. You're saying when you're playing it with, what did you play it with? I don't even know. Pro controller. The, use the, the pro regular con- Switch Pro controller. Yeah, okay, yeah. so you used a Pro controller, and you're saying that you would, like, tilt the actual Pro controller. You're moving the Pro controller itself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I do it in Zelda as well, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. You know, you have a bow and arrow in that game. Yeah. And every time I aim with it, I aim with um the motion controls because, and... What usually what you'll do is like I'll use the right stick maybe to get the camera in the general direction I want it to be. Right. But then use the the actual gyro controls for the precise for like the precise movement. Yeah. And you can really get a really precise thing with like your I'll little to, wrist. I'll have to try that one day because I'm such a purist, like a video game purist, that the idea of not using the controller to move in terms of like the the analogs and the buttons that are there. Every time I think about it, I'm just like, no. And the reason why is because one, when I did try it, when like the period that Dandy is referencing, when everyone tried to copy Nintendo doing things, I tried it on things that were not Nintendo devices and it was really fucking bad. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that uh I I like the feeling of like controller inputs and I always think about when you see a kid playing a game, sometimes even adults, but they kind of jerk. You know how when people yeah. are like playing a fighting game or they're playing some kind of game and they're really into it and they start jerking the controller and they start moving their physical body and it, it makes me laugh yeah. to see people do that like a new gamer or maybe somebody who just that's just the way yeah. they play games for whatever reason. Oh, excuse me. There's like a car. Uh, but yeah, the way people sometimes jerk, it always made me think about like, what if you had your motion controls on and you do one of those weird ass motions? Or what if that's what motion controls looks like on the outside? <laughs> like, what, yeah. if, what if it looked like somebody being spastic while yeah. they're playing the game? Because that's what that's what it requires. But it doesn't actually require. I'm, I'm obviously smarter than that. I know that now Like, you don't actually have to fucking like jerk no, the controller. It's honestly really tiny, like precise wrist movements. Yeah. Usually, like, I know. Really, I know exactly. It's like using a mouse. Yep, which is actually the most preferred way of of gaming in the world. So, yeah, there's, there's that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, is it okay? Yeah, I, well, I mean, there's just more people. There's just more people. Computer I think, I think actually, there's more people phone gaming than. The, so that's fair. There probably is. I, I always think of the mobile gaming is, industry as a is. completely separate thing. But you are you are right. Like there's a lot more phone. Everyone has a phone. I just don't see phone games as being real yet because they are just fucking annoying to me. And yeah, the fact that yeah. some that some the fact that some main titles tend to put content for a game that is not like Kingdom Hearts, for example, right? They put main uh, story content into a mobile game, and then it's like, well, bro. I don't play mobile games, so it's kind of awkward. Now, don't get me wrong. Mobile games, I've played some fire ones. I loved Flappy Bird. And I even have every Final Fantasy on PlayStation downloaded on my phone right now. I have 7, 8, and 9. They're all on my iPhone right now. Um, and I've played through them in front of Kenny and like my other friends on my phone. And I've enjoyed them a lot, even though that's not... I don't know if that like qualifies as a mobile game. It's more of a port. But like, yeah, 
you know, I've gamed on my phone and I've enjoyed it on my phone. So I know that like phone games can be good. But every time I think about phone games, I think about like the bad part of it, not the good part, like gotcha games. Uh, yeah. Games that are just like pay, like I guess that is a gotcha game, but like pay, pay does to he know, play Kenny? Games. Does he know or does he not know? Uh, I don't know if he knows about you. Okay. And your gotcha game addiction. Oh, you're well, no. That's well, he talked about Maple Story, so true. I know you have an addiction to like an uh, online computer game, but not necessarily like a phone. <laughs> I have an on, I have an addiction to RuneScape. That is my current addiction. Is that a but phone game? I, or is that, um, uh, yeah. I played. It is. It is. Well, you can play it on mobile, but it is a PC game. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but what I was referring to there is the years of my life that I spent writing for a website about gotcha games to make money. It's um, true. Like, so yeah, that's yeah. actually interesting to go back to. You got you get out of college, right? Um, yeah, let's go. Let's degree, go back to the storyline. And so I, I you college, don't. Got the degree. Yeah. You're not able to get a job in game development right away. So there's years yeah. of your life where you support yourself not developing games, but writing articles for games, largely yeah. in the cell phone yeah. gaming market. Interesting. Yeah. So there was more time there that was wasted, but but yeah, essentially I came out and I was like, okay, can't get. Eventually, you realize that you're unhirable. But it takes time to realize that you're unhirable, right? Oof, that's such a... Because no one tells you. Who's going to tell you? Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they um, tell you inadvertently, right? By not hiring you. But it also yeah, sucks because event, you don't know why... Those, you know? Yeah, you don't know why you're not being hired because you could just think... Yeah. A lot of people who are neurodivergent, they think that it's because they're neurodivergent that that is the reason why they weren't hired and not necessarily that they might be lacking a certain skill set that is needed right. for said occupation. Go, go ahead. Well, I only learned that word way later in life. So. Same. I learned it like in the last five <laughs> years. That yeah, w- yeah, I don't same, even know if that same, word same. existed before the last five years. At least not. Yeah, I, it probably yeah, didn't. Yeah. <laughs> At least in common, uh, common. Discourse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're joking. Yeah. Of course, the word fucking yeah, but existed. But yeah. So essentially, like it happened because there was this game that came out. So Kenny got me into this game called One Piece Treasure Cruise. And that yep. is yeah. I know about I know about yeah. this because of Kenny. Yeah, and so, I will admit that it is a cool game. I'll real quick, that is the game. So I pretty much hate cell phone games, but One Piece Treasure Cruise was my fucking... Love it, I yeah. love that game. I do love that yeah. game. Yeah, and th- it is it is faithfully, I th- I think, adapted from the, the original content. Like, you know, th- they've got all the jokes. They, they get... It's almost like they've, they've got a One Piece fan there who's just like, oh, you got to make sure that he says this, and you got to make sure that this it's this exact pose. And like, they, they know, they know. Mm-hmm. I, I um, think... I just want to say something about that real quick, because this is also a One Piece podcast always. I feel like One Piece is one of the few intellectual properties in the world that no matter what way is being hoarded out, the writer and the writers have a say in how it's going to be used on whatever platform. We know this because of Netflix yeah. and how Oda literally just wouldn't co-sign on like some of the things that Netflix tried to do and bastardize his series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that out of every single like live action thing that I've ever seen, I think the One Piece one is the best one out of all of them. Not saying that it's a masterpiece by any means, but like I've seen a lot of these live actions. They are always cringe. They're always bad. It's like yeah. Death Note. Look at that one. Uh, but yeah, I have, one Piece, I have looked at it. Yeah, exactly. You've looked at it, right? And it looked back at you. Um, But One Piece has actually done well. And you're saying that this phone game, which I've never played myself, but I know Kenny was addicted to it. I know that there's like One Piece Warriors and stuff like the Dynasty Warrior games. There's versions of that. But there's all these different things that One Piece has been kind of injected to that isn't originally the source, right? Like, you know, what it is, a manga and an anime. And just like Pokemon, but it's often praised by people who enjoy one piece i'm like no this actually feels like it has some of the essence of actual one piece and yeah. not just like yeah. being hoarded out for money like sometimes i feel like pokemon for example pokemon oh, go not, what do you mean sometimes when is it not pokemon yeah. go changed that 
changed that franchise for the worst. Yeah, you know? it's actually crazy. And they've just been chasing that high ever since. They'll, they'll never get it back, by the way. They'll never get it back. You never know. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's Pokemon. I'm not doubting it because it's Pokemon. No, I, I admit I didn't think it would happen once. So hey. Yeah, know. it's it yeah. only if you said something else, like something smaller, like oh, it'll never happen with Star Wars again. I'd be like, yeah. But when you say Pokemon, the biggest IP in the world, I'm like, it could happen again. Like we were at world peace in 2016 because of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> like, we were. We but were. yeah, back yeah. to back to your uh, back to your point but about so, like, neurodivergence. I don't remember like what I was found, talking about. Well, you were talking about. You found One Piece Treasure Cruise, and we were talking about your job before yeah. becoming a game developer and working in the oh, yeah. article so, sphere. So Fire Emblem Heroes. Fire Emblem Heroes. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a big part of my life. And at the time, I had no job, and my um, I basically was thought to myself, well, you know what? Like I, because um, you see, I, I had noticed with One Piece Treasure Cruise that there were content creators for it, right? Like YouTubers and people who wrote guides and stuff. And I was like, maybe I can do that, you know. Uh, maybe that would be a cool thing to do. Maybe I can have my own website where I write guides and stuff. It's just an idea I had. And I actually made it. I made a Google website with like one or two guides and they were pretty in-depth. And basically for, someone saw that. For Treasure Cruise? Like, no, this is this is for, for Fire Emblem. For Fire Emblem like, Heroes. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. okay, I know you did that for Fire Emblem Heroes, but for a second I yeah. thought you meant you did it with... And I was like, I don't but know I was, I, I was thinking Cruise. about it because actually yeah, I did yeah. make some guides for Treasure Cruise. There were video content clear guides. Rayleigh free-to-play team guides for clearing, you know, like Heraclism and, and, and all those people. Yeah, yeah. good times. Anyway, uh, I made this little website, wrote some guides and it, posted it on Reddit. It got a fairly decent response. And then some guy contacted me and he had this site called GamePress. And GamePress is a site that is... It's a mobile game guide website. So they have essentially like their 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 unofficial wiki. Well, every wiki is unofficial, I guess. But like it's a wiki, but they they go a step further and they have analysis. So think think like Smogon if you're familiar with that concept. I know exactly what it is. Smogon plus wiki, right? But not as crazy as Smogon, but there's actual money in it, right? So that's what they hired me to do. So what I would do is I would I I, I devise this concept called um the character page so essentially that the the guys that i had written were adapted slightly and changed and put on their website and they paid me for it and they paid me to write more ones and essentially we, i would take a character and i would say here are its strengths here is here is here are its weaknesses should you pull for them yes or no this is what skills you put on them this is what skills you don't put on them. here's how to use this character here's what this character can do um and yeah, that was it, basically. Um, so there were more people brought onto the team. I was, you know, it was me and one other person, then more people brought on, and we were all doing these character pages. And yeah, we were all getting paid. Not a lot, but it was it was all right. It was but enough. You were making money. And you were I kind could. of, work, well, not kind of, you were kind working of. with games. Yeah, so the beautiful thing about it is that the exact same skills that I were using to analyze the units was the exact same skills I needed as a game designer to analyze metagames and understand video games and how they play. Um, mm -hmm. So... I was using my skills. So I, to, to write about a unit, you have to understand the game. You have to understand the game within the game, the metagame. What's really important in, in the metagame, just okay, let, me, let me just step back a second. So the concept of a metagame is the game within a game. So for instance, you've got, you've got Pokemon, right? Um, you said you're familiar with Smogon, which means we all know about Pokemon, right? So when you play Pokemon, there's lots of mechanics and stuff. And most people probably have a basic understanding of Pokemon. But in super super high level pokemon there are some things that are really important like switching right switching is so important but you wouldn't necessarily the average pokemon fan doesn't know that and that's because right. that's mm -hmm. a metagame concept so it's 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 the stuff that's truly important so to be a game designer you you have to on the game that you're working on be able to quickly see what the truly important things are 
in that game. That's a skill you need to have. So because I was able to do that for Fire Emblem Heroes, I was able to write good analysis for it because I could look at the game, figure out what's really important, and then it's the characters with these traits that are really important, you know, or, or without these traits, or these traits are actually really bad, um, and here's why. And that is the skills I used, um, and that's how I managed to get some game design practice in writing for Fire Emblem. So real quick, you seem to be, uh, I would say, pretty good at the game then, right? Like yeah, you had to I say was. so yourself because because in my head, a person like you who would go as far as to write a guide and, you know, a, a guide for an adventure game is like, go open this chest, go here, go here. You get the, the eye of truth. Right. And then it's like, OK, I, I did this thing and it's an adventure game and I'm just I'm not really up against any kind of like real competition there. It's just like do this step, yep. do this step, do this step. A a guide for a metagame because you know like in zelda you don't really need a metagame per se right there is a this does the most damage but that's it's like okay that's fine you could do this you could keep spamming a megaton hammer and doing this this amount of damage but that's not really like a metagame in a way that a fire emblem game would be where you're actually up against not only a clock but other units and they have all these stats and you're calculating yeah. like okay i have these stats i have this range i have this weapon i have these team attacks these special abilities all these different yeah. things that go into like what makes this unit this unit so there is a real metagame just like how you said in pokemon like there's types and there's switching and there's all these complicated things I bring up the point of you being good at it because I feel like you, you brought up the average person and how they just play Pokemon, right? I was an average person until I met Kenny when it came to Pokemon because I never played competitive Pokemon. When me and my friends played, it's like, I'll throw out my Mewtwo, which is an Uber, right? Didn't even know that yeah, was not okay. Yeah. But I throw out yeah, my Uber yeah, yeah, yeah. to his fucking War Turtle because he likes the way War Turtle looks. And I'll use yeah. Psychic on it and one-shot it and then we'll go about our day. And that's just like, oh, Frazier's team is broken <laughs> because I'm using all fucking legendaries. And then I meet Kenny and it's like, <laughs> Well, you can't use those Pokemon um, because they're in Ubers. And if you want to play that league, there's a whole separate league for Ubers. But we're going to play yeah. the OU and the UU. And and, uh, and there's like this whole thing. But in order to even get to that level, it's like you need to be somewhat decent to one, play it, but also to write a guide on something. I guess getting back to the point, it's just like mm. writing a guide. Like I wrote articles for Yu-Gi-Oh! But I'm considered one of the best Yu-Gi-Oh! players. So it makes sense that like if you're going to listen yeah. to someone who writes an article, that person, you can tell in the first one, like, oh, this guy actually knows the fuck he's talking about. He might even have credentials yeah. to back it up. So that's why I was asking, like, are you also like pretty yeah. good? I'd at totally the... forgotten that you were you were really good at Yu-Gi-Oh! As someone who is really good at something specific like that, you understand what I mean when I say that there's a difference between knowing what's good and what's not and understanding why yes. that thing is good and why that thing isn't good. Yes, right? my brain naturally does it with Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Now, yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, so that is a valuable skill as a game designer, um, actually. Yeah. You could yeah, probably I'm... apply that skill to a new game that you have never played before and be moderately successful in identifying what's important and what's not important. Well, that's what happens. Even though you don't know that game. Yeah. That's exactly what happens when I try other like other games. I always think of them in terms... It's like I use Yu-Gi-Oh! to translate, right? So it's like, oh, in Yu-Gi-Oh! this concept is good. So I wonder if this concept is also good in this other game. And that's why I try to tell people um, the year that I won a YCS was also happened to be the first year that I tried the new card game. I played Magic the Gathering that year because Yu-Gi-Oh! got so bad. There was like a deck that killed you on the first turn, Frog FTK. And so me and my best friend at the time, we would kind of like not really play Yu-Gi-Oh! that much. We would play it, but it took it, it was like three minute matches because the game was that bad. So the match would be mm. three minutes. So instead we would play magic, the gathering on the, uh, while the clock was going down for the regular players who didn't want to play the metagame. 
and there's a lot yeah. of them. Uh, so they will hold for the entire tournament because they don't want to win in three minutes like me and Sean did. So we would play Magic, and when I played Magic, having to play a game that has a resource system where you can't just fucking blow your load on turn one like Yu-Gi-Oh! You have to actually play land and then play a card that has corresponding colors and resources based on that. That concept to me, and then everything else, like how tap creatures are work in the game, the mechanics of magic, how battle phases work in magic, how life points work in magic, things like that, uh, first strike vigilance, all these different concepts. After playing it, I came back to Yu-Gi-Oh! And when Yu-Gi-Oh! got rid of the the ignorant three-minute deck, the the broken um FTK deck, when it got rid of it, and Yu-Gi-Oh! went back to what it was supposed to be, setting monsters, summoning monsters, setting traps, you fell into my trap card. Once it went back to that, I started looking at the game differently. I, I top and won a YCS, but then after that, at the same time, I started to top all of them, like just a shit ton of them, whereas I never did before I played Magic. Not that there is a direct correlation between, oh, you played Magic and that made you a better Yu-Gi-Oh player, but it is one of the things I always think about is the one of the catalysts, I think, for me becoming just a better thinker was playing Magic the Gathering, and not even necessarily at a high level. Like, I never topped anything in Magic. I didn't play it competitively to that degree, I played it at my locals and I did go to like one Grand Prix, I believe. And that was it. And I like played against pro players mm. and I got destroyed. And I was like, that's exactly what I would expect, even though I I 100% held my own. But it was like, I still don't understand this game on your level because you're an actual fucking pro. Like, I wouldn't expect them to come to Yu-Gi-Oh! and be able to beat me unless they got really lucky or whatever. So it's like, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but my mind just changed because I learned one thing and I started applying it to another thing. And I, that kind of taught me the whole idea of like the more things you learn in general the yeah. better you get at gaming and probably same with like sports and other things too but i can only say i'm not an athlete i can only speak to what i actually do and i'm a gamer so i'm like the more games and the more things that i learn about just random things like they all apply in some way in some weird way it all kind of just is like linked. like i even think the way i play rpgs is also in the way i play like Yu-Gi-Oh, for example or other things so mm. Yeah, there's a really quick correlation. I experienced a very similar thing when I was playing Melee. Um, at some point, I picked up Street Fighter 4. And Melee is usually thought of to be a very aggressive game. And Street Fighter 4 is a much more patient game. Um, it can be really aggressive. But in Street Fighter 4, I learned patience and the value of like not going forward. Yeah, And it made me better in Melee because as I play Falco, who's kind of a glass cannon character, he's really easy to kill. There's... Points where I realized, like, oh, I don't have to just run at you. And, like, it was from <laughs> playing Street Fighter <laughs> that it made me just kind of realize, like, I can play more patient and I can do more patient things. And I don't have to, if the guy's at the edge, I don't have to go there and just let him kill me. You know what I mean? I could, yeah. just, I could just not go there. I could just stay back here and shoot some lasers. Yeah, that's very real, especially when you have the lead. So but, on, on all of this, oh, go on, Kenny, sorry. No, I was going to transition right back to you. Oh, I was going to say, um, you know, there. so when I was getting into Fire Emblem Heroes and all of that, the reason I had an advantage in this field, despite never actually having done official game design work at this point, is because I used to be a competitive Battlefield player. I used to be one of the best Battlefield players. Um, and that is the first instance where I really saw the game in that different light, where you start to see not just the things as they are, but why they are the way that they are, you know? Why does this gun beat this gun, but only at this range? And why, do, why does, you know... Why is this actually really important and no one talks about it and all of that? Um, but another thing is that in my, in my game design career, I've designed quite a few different genres of game. You know, the game that's in the background is the first game ever released. It's called OutRealm. You can buy it on Steam. Um, I forgot. I was going to actually put it on Steam sale. Sorry, I forgot. 
I'll, I'll put it on. Wishlist it. Wishlist it. Um, <laughs> What's it called again? <laughs> Outrealm. It's, oh. it's a game I made in Game Maker Studio, and it's a game I made because I realized that I made it after the Fire Emblem Heroes thing because I realized that, well, no one's going to give me a shot, so I got to give myself a shot. Um, and so that's basically what I did is that I did all the art. I'm not a good artist, but I, I sort of got something okay on the screen. Yeah, you and, did everything in the game. Yeah, yeah. I even I even composed the music. Um, oh wow! I know all really of that has to be really difficult. The art, the music, because like, yeah, there's supposed yeah. to be whole departments dedicated to just those tasks, and you took yeah. on all of it. It's given me a huge. I mean, I did a terrible job, but it's given me a huge advantage because now I can now whenever I work with uh, whenever I work with with a composer, I understand their problems a little bit better, having faced them myself. Right. So, that is something that really helps going all the way back to that translation thing um, where I've lived a little bit, I've lived a, a day in the shoes of these other departments and it still helps to this day understanding their, their problems and, and, and how they see games. Um, yeah. So going from, going from Outrealm, going from Fire Emblem and then actually making Outrealm, the next and Outrealm took was, you, it was one year of development, right? It was one like, year of development, about six months of concentrated work, I would okay. say. Yeah. Um, Game Maker Studio launched on Steam. I wasn't really expecting to sell anything, but actually I did put, a lot of people don't put a price on their first game. They release it for free, but I did. And I'm really glad that I did because of a certain concept. And that is that when you put a price on something, when, when people sell their first game for free, the reason they do that is because they don't feel confident that what they've made is worth something. And the reason why I put a price on my game is because I wanted, I wanted myself to, to be, I wanted my work to be at a level where I could comfortably ask someone for their money. You know, because that's a mm. totally different mindset than right. not having it free. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. So, so yeah, take yourself seriously. It's a hugely important lesson. But there we is another side of that. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. We interviewed someone um, recently for, for a job at, at my company, <laughs> and they, um, they were someone who had developed a game by themselves. And I, I was lucky enough to be in that interview, and I asked them, having gone through that experience myself, um, I said, I know you would have learned lots of things, but what was the number one thing that you learned? And what they said was, take yourself seriously, learning to take myself seriously. Um, and I, I, you know, I've never gotten emotional in a job interview, but that was definitely the closest I got because I was just... Because you felt the same way. You felt you learned uh, the same yes, thing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's exactly why I put a price tag on that game, even though it is not a great game. But but it is worth your money. That I, that I can say. It is worth a couple of dollars, you know? I like that. Um, this is I not a great podcast, but join our Patreon because, you know, it mm-hmm. is worth your yeah. money. It is actually That's worth right. it. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Uh, I wanted to say something about you said that people make their games free because they don't feel confident in the fact that they made something that is worth people's money. I believe that was like verbatim. And I I think that there's another side of that coin, which is funny. Um, so I'm only half joking oh, here. It definitely is. But yeah. like people also make games free so that they can fucking spam you with ads. And that is the world that we live in nowadays where a lot of things are actually free that are extremely valuable, like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Well, to a degree now, but a lot of things that are free are actually extremely valuable, like extreme value, right? Like some of the most valuable companies in the entire world are free. Google is free. Uh, But with that freedom, with that free thing on it comes spam ads collecting your information and things like that things that are not really like tangible to us like we don't we you know we see an ad and it's just kind of like okay like if i don't have an ad blocker on i'm just annoyed but i'll close it and keep on going about my day uh but that 
that's generating revenue for yeah. that that video game. And a lot of games, I know that there's a lot of free games on the Apple Store and on the um whatever the marketplace, the Google Marketplace. There's a lot of free games on there. And I bet that the yeah. second you load most of them up, ads galore. Like in between games, yeah. in between yeah. sessions, it's just like fucking ads. Um, what do you what do you think about having your game? Because I'm sure that this the thought probably crossed your mind. Maybe as a starting out, like this is my first game, maybe not. But like the idea of ads and making a game free, like how, what is your thought on yeah. that as a so, concept? Not just for yourself, but period. Yeah. So actually that the game that I was, the Battlefield game that I was super, super good at, Battlefield 2142 was one of the first PC games ever to have ads in it. Um, it they had billboards and they had real ads on them and Fuck no one really people. gave a shit. It, like it didn't feel dystopian because it was just like, no one really cared. Yeah. Um, but Oh, so, but here's, yeah. that's kind of a cool way to do it. So, like, the screen, they didn't take over your fucking screen right. with an ad. No, it wasn't, the game had, it was, um, the game had a billboard in it. Incidents. And it said, it said Mountain Dew. Yeah. But that kind of feels realistic, because, like, Mountain yeah. Dew's on real billboards. Yeah, so so the word you would use for that is diegetic. It's essentially a part of the world. So yeah, yeah. The, the diegetic UI that everyone loves to bring up is dead space. The things on on your back that represent your health, like your spine, those lights. That's mm-hmm. the, the classic example of diegetic UI. The other one is Metroid Prime. So when you play Metroid Prime, your your health is actually represented through your visor. That's part of the game world, which is really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was it was diegetically done as opposed to like just throwing invasive ads. Yeah, yeah. Um, to answer your question, so to go back a little bit to what you were saying about those valuable companies and like, yeah, that it's not that they're free at all. I would actually argue that they're more expensive because what, what they take from you is not time and not money, but attention. And that is more valuable than money, you know, really, um, I mean, not for everyone, but for most people it is, you know, um, I think for everyone it is. I like, I, I agree a hundred percent with what you're saying, even though it's like a very philosophical point, but I do agree yep. that the fact that my phone now, like Apple has been really good at this. Um, I can only speak from that perspective because I don't have an Android running device. But like mm-hmm. Apple has screen time as a feature that is, I turned it off because it's actually, to me, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes. But like it'll tell yeah. you every single week, hey, you were on your phone for this many hours. These are the top 10 programs that took up your time. And here's how much time you use them this whole week. And yeah. it, it used to do that shit yeah. every like Sunday at night. I would just get a random notification and it'd be telling me like, you're a fucking piece of shit, basically. <laughs> it but, just got his magic coming up on the phone. Yeah. I mean, essentially that's what it was. That's what it was <laughs> saying. Start, and it made me start yeah, to reevaluate like, damn, I'm spending a lot of time on you Instagram. Spend 96 hours on Instagram. Like, <laughs> so what you're saying is true. Like I get that, you know, some people might hear it and be like, oh, that's a philosophical take, right? Like it is, you yeah. know, it's free to go and download it and put it on your phone and scroll. But and concepts of like human life is quantified through time. Like but not only that, time. imagine the amount of money you might be wasting. Like there's procrastinating, just being on yeah. Instagram. Um, if you have, if you're in school and you have an essay you got to get done, or if you know, if you have some, there, some there's definitely something a that you need to do for work and you're not getting it done because you're on Facebook or whatever. However, I will say to to argue the uh, to argue against that point a little bit of just like it taking the most expensive thing from you. I think that if people want to spend their time that way and it genuinely brings them joy, then that is fine because I think that people should just be allowed to do whatever makes them happy. So if you find happiness in going on TikTok or YouTube and spending your entire day fucking scrolling and watching nonsense for 15 i don't even have tiktok but my friends have become zombies like a lot of my close friends are zombies now i call them because they just like they and they tell me like do not download this app and i'm like i won't 
Like you don't have to tell me. I see what have happened, what has happened to you guys, and it scares me. Like the amount of time that you could just stare at your phone and scroll blindly, and it's yeah. shit that you don't even like. That's the thing that that's the to me that's the scariest thing that has happened is like you don't even like the content that you just watched. You just watched it because it was quick, and they put it in front of you, and for no other yeah. reason the fact that it was quick and convenient, and it's, so it's taking like that thing you said, the most valuable thing from them. But I'm not mad at it because I'm like. Well, you're happy though. Like you're literally laughing at some of this stuff, and the other part you're like, "This was so bad." Yeah, you just scroll. You, you won't forget you, it. You, sorry, you won't remember it in like the next morning. That's that's what yeah, I, I, that's um, not that's not true. That's not true. I basically well, I you won't My, you, you don't you I, don't know I, how I many people it. send me fucking bad TikToks, and I'm like, okay, like I get so many of them. It's like, oh, I found this TikTok. I think you saying like because you scroll through they you know scroll through two hundred of them, yeah. and you only and they only send three of them the Fraser. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but, but then you don't you don't even remember those three like they're not you're not actually those those three that were the top three maybe you remember one if you look at it you'd be like oh i remember this but that's not actually gonna impact you really ever like you know that's that's how i see it i i kind of soft quit facebook and and reddit and all that because i was doing that exact same thing i was looking at stuff and all of it was interesting to me but then i realized that i didn't remember any of it the next day interesting it was just like it was it was what you said i was just going through i was laughing at it i was linking it to my friends i was doing all that it was just time that just went into a box i wasn't learning anything it was just you just your head you, you zombie zombification is such a great way to describe it you just zombify yourself you know yeah, they become not for those moments where they're yeah. like spending hours into it. They're not really yeah. people anymore. They're just so invested in staring at the phone and swiping mm. with their finger until it hurts. And it's you like, know what it is? It's just, little, it's just little dopamine hits. You know? It is. That's exactly what it is. You're chasing that rush of like the next, the next TikTok, the next time I swipe, it's going to be fire. Yeah, yeah. I the, think the that random TikTok... element of it, by the way, is cannot be understated. Absolutely, yeah. a huge part of it. Would you say the I what element? It's... The random element of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Is massive. Go ahead, yeah. Kenny. What were you going to say? though? sorry. I was going to say it is. It reminds me very much of like channel surfing. Like you would see, you know, back in the day, you'd see like the guy. He sits at his couch with the TV remote, and he's just like he never watches anything on TV. Yeah. He just goes to the next channel. He watches it for 15, 30 yep. seconds, maybe sixty seconds. Then he goes to the next channel, and then you know his wife's like, you know, put why don't you put something on? He's like, oh, I'm looking for something. And then like he goes through fucking three hundred channels, and he just like takes in tidbits of each thing and then he goes back yeah. and then, and then he just like surfs my, for my hours only, and then never only, watches anything i know exactly what you're talking about because i used to do that i used to be that guy on youtube um and i've got more concise because youtube has learned me better and i've subscribed to the channels that make sense so my youtube is very curated now because algorithms have gotten better over the last decade but i used to do a lot of just uh couch surfing on youtube where i'm just scrolling for videos while waiting to eat my food and my food gets cold because i didn't find something to watch yet anyway um the real point i wanted to make was that i don't want it to be understated though that Things like TikTok, things like Facebook, things like Instagram, they do have value to them regardless because they eventually do impact your real life. And for some people, obviously everyone is different and subjective. So I know, Dandy, you said that like for you, you don't remember it and it doesn't really do anything for you most of the time. Um, we have literally, my friend group, we have gone to so many restaurants specifically because Silverman saw it on fucking TikTok. And some of them are trash. And when, and what happened is that the TikTok made it look insane. And some of them are fucking insane. And I can't believe that I lived this close to it and I never been to it. And it's like, sure, he's seen 300 TikToks and he remembers like a couple of the restaurants, but we end up actually going out and enjoying whether the restaurant is trash or not doesn't matter because when you're with your friends, it's like, I don't really care. Um, but it's yeah, given us yeah. some good experiences that extend outside of the phone screen. And for that is like that is a real value because it it brings us happiness. That just like the whole thing of if you're happy doing it, 
to me, it's like, whatever you're going to, everyone's going to spend their life how they want to spend their life anyway. You can't, you can't so, control so it. That's a great point, right? Like what counts as wasting your time, right? It's, it's actually a completely pointless argument because right. argue it's subjective. Exactly. Yeah. Like some so, people might so, say that this is like what we're doing here. Like, they're like, yeah. why, why would you do a podcast? Like only, you only get a couple hundred people who listen to this a month. But it's like, we love doing it. It brings us happiness. Yeah, yeah. It literally, me and Kenny could stop doing this this year. This could be like, all right, 2023. That was, that was it. We tried it for two years. We didn't get really big. We didn't blow up. We didn't become our, what is it? RDC or whatever they call it. Like we didn't become those guys. So let's, let's just give up on it. But like, no, we do it because it brings us happiness. And some people might look at this and say, well, this is actually a fucking waste of time. You could, you as smart as you are, could be doing something way more impactful with your life. But it's like, who are you to say what yeah. is impactful for me and for what my life, like the way I want to live my life is just that it's just the way I want to live my life. I'm not, again, we got all like boogie, woogie mm. philosophical here, but <laughs> boogie, woogie. <laughs> boogie, woogie. boogie, woogie. But yeah, I, I do call them zombies though, regardless. So it is zombies is definitely like yeah. a, a, uh, a negative connotation. It's definitely a negative connotation when I when I say zombie. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, same. You don't you don't have to um, necessarily prescribe to others, but you know, looking at yourself, only you can decide what time is valuable, correct. how to spend your time, right? So, yeah, yeah. you you can still be discerning. A hundred percent, still be discerning. Yeah. yeah, and you and you felt like you wasted a lot of your time when you were just like on these social media threads and shit, and then also playing yeah. certain games in your life. You're like, yeah. Definitely. I've played this too. I've given this too much of my life. And I felt the same way about certain things throughout my life. I'm like, Yu-Gi-Oh! I quit Yu-Gi-Oh! at one point. Because I was like, yo, I've given this game at the time when I quit. I think it was at least 12, 13 years. I was like, I've given this game like 12, 13 years of my life. I'm I'm good. Like, I'm done. Like, I, it's time to call it quits. I want to focus on my career. And then for five to six years, I actually did that. And I made progress in my career. And then I was like, but are you happy with just trying to progress in your career? Is that actually what you ultimately want and then i realized like well you still love this game you still in a weird way even with your podcast and things you keep up with it with like oh the bandwidth comes out i message kenny let's do yeah. a podcast on yeah. this it's like you know yeah. it's, yep. it's very interesting yep. how it works how life life is just i don't know this podcast sometimes get really deep <laughs> sometimes it gets really deep mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah as a game designer i i think it's interesting that even you can identify like i've played games that are uh, uh, like a waste of time like these but they also at the same time probably taught you things as a game designer too that you're like i'll never do this because this is fucking awful or the way i felt well, about it was awful so it's funny that you say that because <laughs> i didn't learn those things and I, I think it's because my education came in just too early just too early mm. but um no one in the industry actually wants to do any of those things and no one gets into the game industry to do those things um, what are those things what do you mean when you so say those? those things are to design so so let's let's look at fire emblem heroes for a moment right yep. which is a game that i'm familiar with yep. uh and that is a game that is designed to steal your attention right it's it's designed to 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 take your money but oh is it, is it a gotcha game everyone yeah, yeah, it's it a gotcha game. Okay, yes. all right. This is the one that I, that I Just to clarify, so, I've never so, played this, so I'm speaking from someone who's ignorant. Yeah. I'm speaking as someone who's very ignorant about it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's okay. Um, uh, in that case, I'll do a little, I'll do a little bit better to try and explain it. So it's a, it's a free game. You download it, and the, the first thing it does is that you, you summon for some characters, and these are random, right? And there's a lot and of them right there. There's a lot of them, and you have a low chance of getting a rare one. Uh -huh. um, which means that the meta is to actually start new accounts. Oh, Genshin Impact. Get a rare one. I already yeah. know how this. I've watched YouTube videos on this exact thing, and I've yeah. seen people spend yeah. fucking hours on Genshin Impact reloading. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so the meta is to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Then you start with a good. You have a good start, right? And and then, but at this point, 
Think about how hard you've worked just to start the game. Yep. You're actually, and all of that builds investment in your head. You're like, oh, I got a good account. I got to, you know, play and yeah. all of that. Then you've got the stamina system. So the stamina system is a classic for gacha games where essentially you can you can play the game. The way it used to be is that you couldn't play the game when your stamina runs out and you have to pay to get more stamina back, right? This was, the, this was like, this is like yeah. candy and it would you know? And it would like, yeah, so you, every time you would go into a level, it would use some stamina. And then your stamina refill like one stamina point per minute or something like that. Right. Yeah, and exactly. So, right. So, and as your account leveled up, you gained more stamina. So mm-hmm. you know you would run and early levels like maybe one through level fifty, your account usually levels up before your stamina runs out, which regens your stamina. But then once you start getting to like fifty to a hundred, you could use all your stamina on playing levels and not have gained enough experience to level up. Mm-hmm. So now you have to wait five hours before you can play again. Yep. Exactly. Which you would think so is a good thing. It's like, oh, the game's telling you to take a break. But yeah. what happens yeah. is... Yeah. What they intended yeah. is to get, yeah. your, like he said, to get your money. It's designed from the very beginning to yeah. get your money and to get your time. But but actually, like those two are not quite the same thing, and the time is much more insidious. So let's look at... Let's, you talked about Genshin Impact, right? So yep. this is a great example. Genshin Impact has got... you can Genshin Impact, first of all, is, is the current meta for, for gacha games. Yeah, there it's, is the, no it's better the biggest. gacha game. And it's a good thing because Genshin is a much better game than most gacha games. Um, and it, that yeah, makes so, sense. So, I just, talk a little bit about this. But, it's still but, living. Uh, you know, essentially, like, you know, there were gacha games that came out and then there were a lot of them. And then there were a few that were really good and they brought essentially all the money. So take Fate Grand Order, right? That's, that's a really popular gacha game. I think it is the most successful one outside of Genshin. Um, and what made that one so popular wasn't like it wasn't absurd, absurd i mean it did have absurd mechanics to get you to spend money and all that but it had a really quality it had quality content it had quality characters and story and it would put effort and people would get naturally invested in those characters and want to spend money on them and that's what genshin does genshin has a compelling world with compelling characters and a good story with real effort it, it has real genuine quality put into it that gets you invested into it much more naturally than than say like because you know fire emblem heroes Every year, they bring out characters, right? The first year that the game came out, the characters had an average base stat total of 156, right? You get, you get some that have one stat higher, one lower, right? There are some variations of different unit types, but generally, 156. That's the number, right? Yep. Actually, it might have been 157. It was 157. It was 157. Um, now, when the game was out for a year, randomly, suddenly, all the new characters had five more stats. They all start, They all had one, 162. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> So and, and like it was average, the average character had one six two. Yeah, they, they they all they all instead of every they all had one five seven and they all went up to one six. So power creep, but also people who started the game later are just at a better start yeah. than people so, who started. So they, it. They, they would literally just bring out characters who were stronger. Yeah, right. They their what they their strategy was was that we want to make you get this character because you're you're going to need it to be strong enough. Whereas Genshin doesn't do that. Genshin has old characters that are still very strong. Um, it doesn't use power creep as a mechanic to get you to spend. There are definitely powerful new characters. Sounds that come like Yu-Gi-Oh. But but it's mainly about the aesthetics of the character. If you look at the character designs and the effort they put into the trailers and stuff, the story, the way they work characters in it, they 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 have you know Genshin has. I play Genshin by the way. I don't know if you know. Um, <laughs> I think I got that. <laughs> Um, you know, they will have a, a story segment where you get to spend time with a character, right? And that story segment is usually really compelling and makes you like that character. And then, like, 
you know, when that character comes out playable, you're like, man, I really like that character. I want to like get that and use that character and role plays that character and all of that. And that feels way more healthy and natural than, than, you know, yeah. not to say that it isn't still insidious. Um, so going back to the stamina thing, Genshin Impact has one stamina regen, I think every eight minutes. And the maximum stamina in that game is 160. Um, now, this is insidious because essentially, if you do the math on it, it means that the time for a full stamina regen is like 22 hours, which means that it's not, you can't play once a day. If you play once a day, you're just missing out on a little bit of stamina, right? And they know that that bothers people. So it's a twice a day game, actually. It's almost a once a day game. They could very easily just change that number and make it a once a day game very clearly. Mm. Mm. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's, yeah, okay. I see exactly what you mean as well. It's yeah. 22 hours, not 24 hours or whatever. So it's like... Yes. So you can't play at the same time every day. I mean, you can, but you you know that you're missing out a little bit. Yeah. You know? And that they, that's the that's where the war for attention, I think, is much more insidious than the war for... Um, yeah, it gets you, to, gets you to play the game again. I mean, and there's a lot of games that do this now. The whole games as a service concept. And, like, for example, um, I haven't bought it, but Pokemon's new DLC just dropped um that this whole dlc rollout the first part came out i think almost a year like i don't know four months ago now six months something like that and then the the next part of the dlc just came out and then it got revealed that there's another epilogue that's coming out in january and i've heard people complain basically like how come this just wasn't part of the dlc how come this just didn't roll out at the same time as this final dlc that we thought we were getting um and it doesn't cost any more money but it's its code is apparently already in the game. If you hack your Switch, you can already play it. But it's not officially released to everybody. Um, anyway, people are complaining about that. But what I guess they're not realizing is that that's done on purpose. It's done so that now, come January, in the middle of January, Pokemon can be in the news cycle again. You know what I mean? Like, yes, the that's reason exactly why, what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like, and now come January 11th, I think it is. Monster Pokemon does the same thing to us. Yeah, it'll be in the news cycle again. People will talk about it again, and it makes... It makes Pokemon steal your attention again, just a little bit. Making it's go, very, very smart over here. From a business standpoint, I'm a businessman, right? Uh, I always look at these things from that side as well as the consumer side because I'm both. Like I, I enjoy games, I play games, but I also like business. I, I have a business mindset. I'm always thinking about how things make money. Um, I, I can't help it. It's like natural to me to think like, how, what are you doing to make money? Because when something is marketed to me as free. I instantly think about what the actual cost of it is. And so that's how I know like, okay, well, you know, these companies that are billion dollar corporations, S and P 500s, like Facebook and shit. It's like, this is free, right? But what is it actually costing? And then I evaluate, and this is just, and this, this is where it becomes subjective because making money, the bottom line, that is just what it is. Math is math, right? Like we made X amount of billions of dollars on ads this year on Facebook. And that's just what it is. Right. And I love things that are logical like that. And it's just like, it's a number and that's it. And you can see where the numbers come from. But then there's the part of me, I think this is a part of you too, Dandy, that thinks about like the morality of these things and just like the ethics of these things and, and how you personally feel about it as well, which is subjective from person to person. And for me, that's where it goes to the question of if Genshin Impact which is a fucking beautiful game, by the way. And I wanted to interject when you were talking about it for a second, just to say, like, I don't play that game only because I knew before it came out that it was a gotcha game. And there's a stigma yeah. to calling it that that made me get like, 
oh, I thought I wanted to play this. And then I heard that it's a gotcha game and I got instantly afraid of it. And I was like, I'm not playing that because I already know what can go wrong with me playing. The connotation yeah. of calling it a gotcha game, the way it was marketed on yeah. YouTube was like, despite the fact that every trailer looked fucking amazing and all the characters, all these little cute anime girls and these fucking cool ass guys who have these cool ass scythe weapons and, and just colorful hair and eyes, the design, the backgrounds, everything, the fighting. I was like, everything about this screams a Tales game. And I love Tales games. It looked like a fucking high def Tales game and I, I was blown away by the graphics and just like the character voiceovers and stuff and then I heard that it was a gacha game and I instantly was like ooh now this is subjective I was like ooh I don't play gacha games I don't want to play a game that forces me in a roundabout way to open my wallet I did that with Pokemon Go and I spent a thousand dollars on Pokemon Go in a, I think it was like three months and then when they didn't fix the tracker, I ended up getting all my money back because I complained about the tracker. I went on Reddit. I saw this thread that was like, hey, if you complain on the Apple store, you can actually get all of your money back that you spent because you could just say, and this is true too. It's not even just like, like bullshit. You could say, when I bought this game, there was a mechanic in this game and I played it under the assumption that this mechanic will be part of this game. It's one of the reasons why I bought it, which was the tracker. Like I can tell that a Bulbasaur is, oh. if I go in this direction or in this general direction, a Bulbasaur will be there. The tracker broke like in the first couple months of Pokemon Go being out. They never fixed it. They had a press conference where the guy came on drunk and they didn't care. And when that what? happened, I got very pissed. He showed up, his, his shirt was like all, like the, I'm sure it's on YouTube. The, the One of the yeah. spokespersons for Niantic, I think that's the name of the company, he came yeah. on stage. His shirt was mangled like he had been on a fucking yacht with a bunch of women. And he was clearly like slurring and sweaty looking. And he just looked disheveled, right? He did not look professional at all. And he did not care about the questions from the audience. He just like, like completely didn't answer them, essentially. Like I'm, I'm thinking of a better word for it, but I can't right now. I, guess I love how he, he was slight, like he had that appearance. And your immediate assumption was he was on a yacht with women. That's like, <laughs> because that was your, that was your button. Well, here's, here's the reason why. So yeah. the news cycle during this time was about how they made $25 billion in a few months. And they said they've never seen anything make this amount of money this fast. Like it made $25 billion. I want people to understand how much money that is. $25 billion in less than a year. Pokemon Go is one of the biggest things to ever have happened on devices, like ever. So when, when those articles are being put out, like, oh my God, breaks all these records, the fastest selling game of all time, like just crazy numbers, right? And I was like, damn, the fucking people who made this, they have to be eating like crazy. And they were, they actually were. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that. I just have a problem with you made something that is very addictive and very like cool based on an IP that is the biggest in the world, but then it broke and you didn't even try to fix it. And instead of being transparent about where you were at in the process, you just kind of like said, we already have your money. We already made $25 billion. If this game doesn't make another dollar, it doesn't really fucking matter. That's the yeah. that's the feeling that it gave me. So that was my yeah. only ever experience with a real gotcha game. I got my money back. And to wrap up this part of the story, I got my money back on the Apple Store, right? I opened the Pokemon Go after I got my money back. I was like, oh shit, they actually refunded it. And they refunded it instantly. I basically talked to a bot. I explained what happened. The bot said, how would you like your refund? I got my refund. I went on the Pokemon Go again. I looked at my account. And nothing about my account was different. I still had all the coins that my actual real life money bought. I had all the Pokeballs, all the uh, incubators, everything. Everything was completely untouched on my actual account. And I was like, oh shit, I just got a full refund for this game. And I still have everything that I bought. They didn't touch it. So I was like, that's, that's insane. And I was like, okay, well, my intent was to officially quit this game. And I was like, I'm weirdly incentivized now 
to continue playing it because it's free for me to do so because I, I didn't I now have no stakes in it and besides the time I put into it which was an exorbitant amount of time by the way I put a lot of time in Pokemon Go but anyway outside of my time I had no money value into it and I was like that's insane but instead of like being kind of like a scumbag I just never played it again. Literally ever to this day, if you load up my Pokemon Go, wherever my character was on the day that I got that refund, like if you look at when that refund came through my actual account, which is a provable thing, and when my account was last logged into, which is also a provable thing, you will see if those two things are the exact same day and exact same time. I never, after I saw that all my incubators and stuff were there, my coins were untouched, I had a decision to make and I just said, I'm never playing this again because I understood for me, for me, Frazier, what, a gotcha game is and how dangerous it could be for me because i have an obsessive yeah, you person spend, you spent a thousand dollars and then you were like what the hell kenny knows how obsessive i can be with things in general how i throw money at things wildly and so that can be a um for me i have to always be conscious of like how i like to wield money because there are good ways and bad ways to do it for for me and i was like i don't want to ever lose myself in something like this again because it didn't make me feel good when I realized that the company who made this thing doesn't actually even give a fuck about me, my one person, my one little thousand dollars that went into that 25 billion, they don't give a fuck. They could, they could do without me. Like, I don't matter at all. Um, and that feeling of just knowing that, like overtly knowing that bothered me so much. And I was like, I bet a lot of gotcha games feel the exact same way. Like, we don't give a fuck that this one guy is disheveled or mad about the fact that we took his money and we didn't fix the game the way he wanted us to fix the game and all this stuff. Like, they don't care. Like, you be gone and we'll have a billion more people lined up to play this game. And so that's why so gotcha games I, um, left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I I want to sort of get off gotcha games just because we've been talking about it a lot. But know, yeah. um, there is one last word I want to have that may blow your mind. So um, you are a non-gotcha game player, right? Yes. So there are people called that I would call gotcha game players. They almost exclusively play gotcha games. They, they so so it's funny because at the start of, of of that you sort of mentioned that gotcha game has connotations, right? Yeah. And you definitely meant negative connotations, I, you know. But there is a whole breed of people that live and breathe that. They they play, they keep an eye out. There's, there's a subreddit called, like, Gacha, which you should look at if you want to know more about these kinds of people. <laughs> um, <clears throat> they are constantly on the hunt for new Gacha games. They jump onto new Gacha games. They play them. They throw money at them. There is, there is a meta to designing Gacha games, right? Of course there is. The, 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 of course the, there they, is. The meta is essentially designed around these people, and they understand it intimately. So, for instance, there is a trope in gacha games where um, you will get, it's called apologems, right? Where you get, when, when the devs fix a bug or something, they will give you a small amount of free currency for, for doing so. Apology, and it's just called gems because you hear, you hear about it everywhere, but that's, that's essentially one of the tropes. Another yeah, and gems is a very is like base-level concept. Yeah, have you ever heard of pity? So pity is basically um, <clears throat> the idea that when when you're when you're rolling the gacha, you you get random chances. Eventually, you are guaranteed to get something good, right? That is the idea of pity. So different gacha games have different pity mechanics, but they all have a pit of pity mechanic. The pity mechanic is actually designed to encourage sunk cost fallacy, where you think to yourself, "Man, if I just put twenty more in, I'll guaranteed something good." And that's twenty you wouldn't spend if it wasn't for the pity mechanic. Um, it, it helps change the psychology a little bit of what. You're you're doing because rolling away at something with no guarantee of ever getting it is a little bit psychologically destroying but knowing that there's a safety net there for you is actually and don't get me wrong the safety net only kicks in after you've spent as plenty of money you know or, yeah. or done plenty of rolls 
But, you know, it does change the psychology. And, and the gacha game players, they eat this up. When I was working on Fire Emblem Heroes, I chatted to, I knew a lot of, so the people that I worked with at that company, Game Press, I still talk to them and they're all really lovely folk. But a lot of them have had struggles with gacha game addiction. There was, there was one girl who, she was a writer and, and wrote for us and stuff. And she specialized in, um, specialized in horse units, mounted units. That was her specialty. She knew a lot about horse units. And, and, um, but she, um, I think that's so cool, she, by the she way. Quit, she quit the yeah. game because, well, this is where it gets not so cool. She quit the game because she spent like her whole college fund or like part of a college fund on, on playing the game. Um, and yeah, it was thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, we know people who and, took out student loans to play yeah, fucking games and the, the, this is like yeah. really bad, right? So, um, Fire Emblem also had a wiki, right? And I also became acquainted with these people. And these, these, some of these people were, were insane top whales of, of Gacha. Um, and they would count the amount that they <laughs> spent. top on whales a, on of Gacha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that title. <laughs> I've heard of whales, obviously. If you, like, if, you, if you clip this and like make like a four minute video about it or something, that's like the title, the insane top whales of Gacha. Yeah, I like insane this Insane top whales. <laughs> Kenny, the insane top whales of Gacha, yep. specifically for Fire Emblem Heroes, would count the amount that they spend in Nintendo Switches. They would say, I only dropped three Switches on this banner, or I only dropped five what? Switches on this banner. That, That's and they would wild. count in Switches, and a Switch is $300 US. Yeah, no, I, instead of saying $900, you yeah. just said three Switches. That's why I was they like, my eyes were like, yeah. what? Why are it's you doing that? also because the Nintendo Switch came out at almost the exact same time as Fire Emblem Heroes. They came out really close. So, so the switch was big, and people were talking about the switch. But yeah, they counted. This is switches. unhinged. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only um, spent, I've anyway. only spent four Nintendo switches on this banner. Yeah, that's yeah, because wild. with every banner, maybe not every banner, but with so many banners, like a little bit of power creep will come in. Not even just with stats, but with skills and all kinds of stuff. And then yes. the idea of gotcha games is usually that they're free, and there's people that pride themselves on being free to play players. I'm free to play. By the way, yeah. is like a fucking joke. Um, yeah. but <laughs> there's there's because it's free, there's also people that'll justify it. And I've done this playing God. I've got, I've done this for both One Piece Treasure Cruise and I've done this for Fire Heroes. Yeah. I've said to myself, this is after playing both of those games for about a hundred, like maybe a hundred or so hours. Yeah. I remember with One Piece, for example, I had already put like a hundred hours into One Piece. And then I said, okay, I'm going to spend $60 on it. I'm going to spend because $60 is the price of a game. And I've played this game as much as I'd play any other game this anyway. This is me with OnlyFans, but go ahead. And I want to keep playing it. So <laughs> his face right now. No, I want to keep playing it. Twitter. So I'll spend I'll spend 60 bucks as as like the price of buying a game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I justified the, paying, I love spending justification. 60 bucks because it was like, okay, that's the price of a game. I'll spend that much on this game. And I did it with both One Piece and I did it with Fire Emblem Heroes. But people get into that. Um, and, and so I, I think it's funny cause you, that same logic I think applies to the Nintendo switch thing where it's like, oh, I've spent a Nintendo switch on this game. Like I yeah. could have bought a Nintendo switch, but I spent it on this banner. I spent three Nintendo switches on this yeah. game. I think that I, I like, I like the concept of the way you justify it for yourself. Kenny, I do something very similar. Like I said, with OnlyFans, I could be on Twitter for hundreds of hours and you know, any given couple month period. Right. Um, and so to me, it's like, well, at this point you spent hundreds of hours on Twitter scrolling all of this crazy shit. And eventually you find OnlyFans for an account that you really, really 
are attracted to and you really want to see what they got to show outside of the free clips they give you that are like two minutes. So then you go on OnlyFans and you see, oh man, this is $11.99 a month. Oh, it's on sale actually. It's only $7.49 a month. <laughs> yeah, I got $7.50. I've been on this page like millions of times. It's gotten me to where I needed to be also, if you know what I mean, millions of times. So it's like, sure, I'll drop $7.50 for 30 days. And next thing you know, I have 30-day access to this account. That is how I justify when I first... Because you know, yeah. porn is free, right? Like, Porn yeah, is yeah. a porn is straight up fucking free. That is that is not lost on me. I did not like lose my mind and, and forget that. But but there are some porn that is just not on the open sea, and you still want to see it. You still want to watch it. You still want to indulge in it. And so you decide. Guess what? This is worth paying for. I'm an adult. I'm in my big age. I'm not going to live that long. You know, I probably got like another, maybe double my age right now, and that's probably as far as I'm going. So yeah, you got money, spend it. Whatever makes you happy. Um, if you spent oh. a long time on a certain Twitter page, then by all means, indulge in the OnlyFans. What was that title Sorry, my, again? My insane, insane top um, whales. Could you, could you is that? that? <laughs> Insane top I, whales. I just, I just my audio didn't work. I just, I just repeat that. <laughs> but yeah, I I think that we all have uh, the same thing that Kenny Kenny described with the justification for why you spent money on something that someone could argue on, on the outside you could have spent this money doing something else or doing something better with your money. Yeah. Uh, I guess if yeah. you want if you want to move on from the the guy I don't know if you have anything else to add to this Andy you did tell a story about the girl. Oh, it's there, there is one thing um and that is that I think you know it's just mainly because we've just talked about it like heaps yeah. but um Kenny mentioned you know having 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 an idea of what you're going to spend before you start playing is the best way to avoid overspending. So have have a spending plan or like a you know so m- mine with Genshin Impact is that every year Genshin Impact comes out with a new continent or new area a new country to explore and every year I buy one battle pass when that happens which is like 15 bucks so mm-hmm. every year i spend 15 bucks on genshin as a hey i i like the game thank you for building yeah. this whole new continent for me to explore i will spend 15 dollars on you and that is my spending model and that works great for me i've spent like 60 bucks on the game so far and uh, next year i'll spend another 15 yeah so, and, and that's that's good it's like it's like gamblers people have gambling addiction yep. they they say like yeah, i'm gonna my, leave my card at home i'm going to only leave the house with 60 dollars and also importantly, I say battle pass. I do not spend money on the gacha. Um, that is a hard, firm line in the sand that I will never cross. Is that because of just like your past experiences where you have? I'm assuming you have. I I did on Maple Story of all places um, back in the day, and I realized then that, that I was like, oh, I just wasted all my money. Um, I realized immediately as soon as I did it, and I was immediately how old? How old were you when that happened, though? Uh, 17. So you were still a kid. See, do you ever get afraid of what could happen to your adult self? Because that's my fear is gambling addiction is real. I know actual people in my life who I used to be very close to who suffer severely, scarily to gambling addiction. I actually know people who who are still in my life who suffer from gambling addiction, but they can support it, which is a different topic. The person who I'm talking about, the people who I'm talking about, they could not support it. And so you watched it spiral in a really bad way, in a really sad way, in a really hurtful way to everyone around them and to themselves. And uh, this this whole thing that we're talking about is just like bringing that up again. But do you ever think about like, if you became addicted, to it or do you actively try to avoid becoming addicted to anything so like this there there are certain personalities that are susceptible that yep. are more susceptible to this than others and i i i think i am probably someone who is not susceptible to that i think so too um, about myself yeah now that said um i still susceptibility aside um you know 
I feel much more comfortable with a spend X amount to get X thing. So a lot of gacha games now, and oh, we're back in gacha games. Ah, um, <laughs> but a lot of gacha games now, they won't just have the gacha be the only way you can spend money. They'll have, for instance, you know, a battle pass or, or, or something like that, or yeah. even just a one-time month. You can buy this once a month, and it's like better value. You know? Right, right. Um, and they do that because the you know they want to bring in different types of spenders at different levels. And yeah, stuff. people who buy um, double XP for. Yeah. Whatever, but those are much better to spend on because they are limited. You know, so it's a pack. Let's say like a ten dollar pack you buy once a month. Hey, if that's you, that's you. You know, I I spend money on old school RuneScape, which has a membership every every month. Well, I don't spend money. I spend in game money on it, which because I am very rich on that game. But um, <laughs> that is a. I see that even if, I mean, I did spend real money on it for a long time, and that is because I see that as a totally fair transaction. You know, I'm spending this amount of money to get this experience. It's all, there's no surprises, yeah. easy trade. Um, and so that is very different to, to gambling. So if you spend money on gacha games, do it in the, do it in that controlled way. Don't just buy the currency and then just start rolling the gacha because that's where things get out of control. Yeah, because then then you're gambling you're in the sunken cost. We yeah, can jump yeah. off gacha. I just want to make one yeah, quick, yeah, and it's, yeah. this isn't it gacha. It is an interesting topic. It is just an interesting topic, and I do have quite a history with it. For I want to make one quick really spent on it. comparison to Maple Story, just because you brought it up, mm. um, that I just think is funny, and we can jump off of this gacha topic. But it is funny that you know, you throw all your money away, but I guess at least when you get the character, you have the character, but it, then they'll probably get power crap in most games. 100%. What's so funny about MapleStory is that, it, from what I remember, there was no gotcha, there was no getting random items, but you'd go into the cash shop, and you can buy these items in the cash shop, and what was so predatory about MapleStory is that the items were time-limited, so you'd spend real money mm. to get, like, some really cool items and outfits and things in the MapleStory cash shop, about this. but you would only have them for 90 days, and then after 90 days, you go back, you're in your fucking underwear again, and in order <laughs> in order to be really cool and to, because some people got involved in the status yes, in that game. that's what MapleStory yeah, was to me. Yeah. It was a fashion show. Yeah, and they had a really cool fashion and a really cool look and everything, and so now 90 days are up, they lost all their all their NX items, and now they got to spend money again. Imagine so in Yu-Gi-Oh! Items. If my whole ulti, uh, my best friend recently got my Yu-Gi-Oh! deck max rarity, which means that the cards cost a lot of money and are very shiny now. Could you imagine if that shit lasted for 90 days, though? Yeah, and you had to buy it again. Like, and he, and mind you, this this deck that I now have is worth thousands of dollars, Dandy. Like, it is, it went from yeah. being a my deck was like a couple hundred because it's just this one card is 300 so that makes up the bulk of it but my deck was like a couple hundred it is now several thousand i i want to say it's it's probably close to like 10 which makes me like i, I it's a liability you now you actually have a car in your pocket i'm not even joking the cards are so fucking expensive in the deck now that it is just like I, I now think about it in a way that I never thought of. Like I'm I'm conscious of when people are shuffling it and I think about yeah. where it is in my like do I have it yeah, did I yeah. put it away properly? Like I say all this to say, like it's just interesting the um the concept of something being limited. Like you buy it and it's this cool thing. I look really awesome right now. Like my deck looks crazy when I play it in person. People look at it like holy shit. Uh but if that lasted for 90 days and then I had the dopamine rush where I had to have it again, so I had to spend another god knows how much it you know he spent on it or whatever that'd be insane that'd be insane and it will work on people though yeah uh, it would so the, go ahead i was gonna say uh i guess to do a quick trend to go back in the timeline do a quick transition to the next thing you worked on your own game uh that i that i beta tested go me yes oh wow um, beta tested it um, you beta tested game, 
Outrealm. Yeah, so Outrealm has controller support, but I never had a controller. So I would send builds to Kenny, who would playtest it. Then he'd tell me what broke, and I would code a f- quick fix. And, the game has uh, controller support, and it's all thanks to me. It's all. It's all. It's all, it's all yeah. my. It's all mine. I, you, you could just say I worked on it. I should be in the credits, honestly. You should be. I, should but I didn't be. because I'm arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> sure. but he did give me a free copy of the game. Um. But I think I ended up yeah. spending money on it somehow anyway. I think I bought yeah, somebody I a said, copy. I think you said you bought, yeah, you said you did something like that, which I really I bought, appreciate, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, because at the end of the day, and I, I believe this with our podcast and the Patreon, um, it's something I've noticed with a lot of people is people, for whatever reason, I think have a hard time supporting when their friends or family do something. Yeah, like if so your true. friend mm-hmm. opens a business or something, for some reason, people don't so necessarily will monetarily support that friend in the thing they're doing, right? Like, if if I open up a restaurant, my friends will come to the restaurant, and in a weird way, they'll kind of expect to eat f- for free, Yeah, if that makes sense. Well, so, there's two types of friend. That I, I noticed yeah. this when I released Outrealm. There's friends who are like, man, I, that's so cool that you're doing that. I can't wait to support and buy your game, yep. you know? I'm like, thanks, that really pretty... And there are some people who are like, oh, does that mean I get a free copy? Yeah, right. yeah. So, and, and so and when you... Are, yeah, I had both. I had When both. you made Outrealm, and then even and then you said, I don't think I said it to you. You said to me that you were going to give me a free copy because I helped with some, you know, I didn't really, yeah. all I did was fucking play the game early and help get controller yeah. support. But you were like, you found that valuable and you were like, I'm going to give you a copy of the game. And I really appreciated that. But I wanted to support the game anyway because you are my friend and you fucking did something, in my opinion. You made a game by yourself from scratch, regardless of how good the game is. Um, I think it's a really fun game, but it obviously, you know, it shows what it is. It was your first game you ever worked on, right? But mm. All of that said, I wanted to support it monetarily. You made a game, mm. and just like how I have a podcast, and you support our podcast. You know what I mean? You're subs- and I don't Wait, think do I you? asked you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I did a. I bought like a year subscription for it. I'm, I'm kidding. I know. That. I remember <laughs> oh, when you yeah, first yeah, signed okay. up. Yeah, I don't no. know. I, no, I, I used to read your name every Cause, day. Because I, Kenny didn't know. I, I, I sort of hinted that I did it, but I didn't really tell him. I like, yeah, I'll discover it. You know? yeah. Well, we were we were yeah. hanging out one day, I think on stream, and I was just. He was like, "How many patrons do you have?" I was like, "I think I have." I was, like, I was like, I think I have 54, right? Something like that. Yeah. And I was like, he was like, oh, that's cool. And then he was talking like he looked up our Patreon. He was like, oh, you do have 54. And then I think it was like 10 minutes later, he was like, oh, you have 55. But like he said it in a way, he was like, oh, you have 55 patrons. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, like you didn't realize that he, he was but the I didn't one. realize that it was, was like, 50, he's 50, the one, he was 55 or whatever the number was. But yeah. anyway, that's the whole thing. I really believe in if there's somebody that, is close to you or whatever. Like if somebody's doing something and you actually like that person and you like what they're doing or whatever, I believe in like supporting them. Cause like you spent, you're going to spend money supporting Apple or whoever no. else anyway. Kenny, I love what your you're saying. Who's doing a thing. I love what you're saying right now so much because that is honestly how we all eat. I think that it's really important for people to understand that being a creative is a lot of work. It like work goes into everything that people create. I don't care what, the quality is of it. These people who are doing shit consistently, they're trying and they're actually putting effort into it. And it's nothing wrong with supporting your friends. I know people are weird about that. Like you start off by saying that some people who are your friends have a hard time supporting you. We're strangers. Most of our Patreon, and this is not to shit on anyone in particular, but most of our Patreon is people that we don't actually know. Um, and that's just how it is. And And I had to get over, I had to get over the idea that don't look at your friends who don't subscribe to your Patreon as people who aren't your friend or people who don't like you or people who don't want to support you and stuff like that. Like, don't resent them because they don't do those things. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I've read this quote a while ago, and it was like, your friends won't make you rich. 
at yeah. the end. Like mm. they just they just won't. Um, neither will your family. So when your family doesn't support you either, you just have to take that on the chin and 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 say it is what it is. But don't stop what you're doing and don't don't resent them and don't start to change on them because you feel like oh you don't do shit for me. I have this whole platform and you don't listen to it or you don't like some of my friends. They have this guilt thing where they'll say. Like, oh, yeah, I still have to listen to the podcast. And I always say, no, you don't. You don't You don't have to listen to it. Like, if you are not interested in what we're talking about, if you're not interested in podcasts in general, like some of my friends who do not listen to podcasts at all are like, oh, yeah, I still have to, I still have to listen to the podcast. I haven't listened to it yet. And I, and I think to myself, like, there's this guilt that you're having with yourself because you feel like as a friend, you have to do that. And I'm not entitled enough to believe that because you're my friend, you have to do that on the other side of it. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to understand, you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to sign up for the Patreon. You don't have to do any of that. I just want you to be my friend like you've always been. And that doesn't need to change because I started some a new venture. And yep. I'm okay with that. And, and it's okay for you to, if you never listen to a single episode, right? I'm fine with that because when we go out to Chubby Cat or when we go to play cards or when we talk on the phone or FaceTime or whatever, that is still something that I love and that I'm happy to have, regardless of you supporting my venture or not. Um, I know this went like completely left field, but yeah, yeah. it is it is one of those things where like I enjoy on the other side of this though, I enjoy supporting people and us supporting each other. So with Chris Len, we had him on the podcast a while ago. He has a board game that he made. Um and that board game, we literally bought the max rarity version of it that was like 200 yep. bucks or whatever. I don't know what the fuck it was. We bought some expensive version of it on uh, like GoFundMe. It wasn't GoFundMe. It was, I forget what they call it. The one where you like fund a project. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. It was Kickstarter, we, yeah. We we gave uh, a lot of money to the Kickstarter. Wherever the highest tier that you could go, we we did that. Yeah, and he, you hit me up. You were like, hey, um, you know, his thing's on, do you want to support or whatever? And then I think you initially hit me up. You're like, do you want to just, do you want to do, it was like, I'm just the base version. Number. Yeah, so you're well, like, do you want to do the base version where you get the whole game? Yeah. And then I went to the website and looked at it, and I was like, let's just do the. I was like, let's just do the highest version. I was like, yeah. Whatever the highest version is. I was, I was like, like oh, I'm so down with that because I'm speaking to Kenny, who I know. His relationship with money and my relationship with money are very different. Where yeah, Kenny, yeah, yeah. If he's Kenny, down to spend, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm, cheap, I'm very cheap with my money, very guarded yes. with my money. However, there yes. are there are I guess chinks in my armor where I let that go, and one of that is, is that truly okay? it's su- is it? it's supporting. Okay. <laughs> he did say it. You heard it. I didn't. I was okay? like, I'm just letting it. Bruh. I'm just letting it go. I'm letting it fly. Listen, I, I didn't. Say Kenny's, it. Kenny's from no. a different time. Kenny is from that a different way. time. Y'all gonna have to say what more than said. one meaning. Is that okay? Okay. Kenny no, is from okay. a. He's from a different time. Okay. That, wor- that worm's a homophobe. <laughs> <laughs> a homophobe, not a homophobe. Um, but yeah. Anyway. So when yeah. it comes to supporting people, my friends or whatever, I truly believe in it. So anyway, all that to say, um, and he supported us back. He subscribed to our Patreon and gave us a year subscription to pay. So it was like a it was like a, a give and receive thing, but not yeah. not like oh you have to give not this to get not this right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just we decided to do that on our own, and then we didn't ask for anything in return. Yeah. And then Chris, you know what I mean? And like, then randomly, I was like, oh shit, we just got a hundred dollar subscriber, and I was like, wait. That's Chris. Oh shit, Chris just subscribed for a year, and Kenny yeah, was like, yeah. "Oh, that's sick." So it ended up working. It all works out. We all just support yeah, each other, and I love yeah. this little circle jerk that we have of friends supporting so, friends. So I definitely every chance I got, like I, you know, I made a lot of jokes about it, but on my stream, I always talked about Outrealm, and I tried to get people to buy it. And like Nick would set up Steam sales and be like, "Hey, you know, Outrealm's on sale on Steam," and then I would like talk about it and you know just tell people to yeah. if they. And I would show people that I've streamed it a couple times, like the game looks mm. cool or whatever. And whatever game Nick works on, uh, 
if it ever releases, I will buy it. Yeah, real quick, I just want to interject before we go any further. Uh, if you guys want to support Chris Land, if you know him, his game is called React, by the way. I just noticed I haven't said the actual name of the game that we support on Kickstarter, but it's called React. And I believe it's spelled R E with a, a semicolon and then the word act. So React, like that, is the name of the game. Uh, just wanted to plug that for him because, again, he is a supporter of the podcast. Anyway, let's continue. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. so all the gotcha shit. Okay, completely off the gotcha. Off the gotcha I've shit. never worked on a gotcha game, by the way, so it's weird that we talked about it for so long. But like, uh, you know, it is, it is, a, it's a chapter in the old Nick history. Yeah, I have a question yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. there a type of game that you want to create as a passion project, like now, basically? Uh, that's an excellent question. So right now, I have a very, a very. I work. The game that I work on day to day is called Tales of the Shire. It's a Tales game. You like Tales? Ooh, games. I love Tales games. It's not. It's not actually a Tales yeah. game like that. Um, that title is Lord of the, it's a Lord of the Rings be, game. For anybody that yeah. doesn't know, what I can say about it is that I can't say much about it. But there is a trailer. You can search it, and I'm working on it. Um, Tales of the Shire, right? And it is a very fulfilling creative project. You know, because it's Lord of the Rings. You know. Oh wait, so I've got, Kenny wasn't joking. It's actually Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Lord of the Rings. Game. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, 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 I know. Uh, I love Lord of the Rings. I'm a huge Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and it's been so amazing. We work with it. We work with a, a Tolkien scholar. Um, part, part of the, you know, part of the deal is you have a Tolkien scholar that, uh, you know, helps you write and stuff. Yeah. And he's they know so the, cool. they know the verse. He right? actually, when I, when I flew here, he actually drove me to the airport. <laughs> he's a super oh, wow. guy. That's yeah. awesome. Um, and and yeah, so so because I've got such a f- fulfilling day to day creative project, I come home and I don't really feel a strong need to create art. Oh, that. okay. I I sort of feel like I get to relax. But, but that is fleeting, um, right? Well, yeah. So so here comes the but. Um, when when I've been working on projects that aren't as creatively fulfilling, so the project I worked on before this was called Flintlock. Um, and Flintlock is is a very cool game actually. It has a trailer. It's coming. It got an announcement date recently for 2024. I think mid of t- mid 2024 they said. So you worked on that um, game a lot, but you're currently not on the dev team. You've moved yes, over yes, to Lord yes. of the Rings. I, I I quit that job and and got another job. Yep. Um, that game wasn't as creatively fulfilling. So I did have some. It's sort of like a Souls-like game, uh, if you're curious. The main reason it wasn't as creatively fulfilling though was because there was some questionable work conditions there. Um, Mapper. Which I which I quit. <laughs> um, As yeah. you should. So, yeah, yeah. So I find that actually my my drive for creation for, for creating my own games is dependent on how much creative fulfillment am I getting in the other areas of my life. You know, and I'm very lucky to have the ability to go to work and come home creatively fulfilled. That's I know that's very rare. Um, I go to so work and come home fulfilled too. <laughs> <laughs> even what the fuck does that mean well the, 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 okay let me put it in a way that you might understand so it's like when you when you when your significant other isn't putting out enough and you gotta go sort of do yeah, a little side hustle that's right uh-huh. to pop yourself up you know uh-huh nick can i yeah, can i yeah. ask you and uh, you, you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to um how old are you i am you know i actually forget this often i'm 32 okay i, I was told just someone that i told someone that the other day and they freaked they went what I you seem you very young but obviously, because yeah. of your life experiences and the way you speak, I can tell that you're 
older only because of the way you you know conduct yourself but if i looked at your appearance at least through discord anyway um if i looked at your appearance and just the way you like overall your mannerism stuff like that you have a very young and that's just the black in you right like that's just the indian oh yeah of, oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. literally that um the white side it's is healthy. trying to actively turn I've, into the crypt keeper every had day a youthful complexion yeah there you go that's for the youthful complexion. Yeah. Yeah. and you got you guys get sun out there right like is it does it get sunny side of thing Oh, yep. geez. <laughs> um, I, I forgot you're in a completely different, like a very uh, different time zone. It's the yeah, morning yeah. over there for you right now. Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't actually know what time it is. Let me check my phone. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, notification from Genshin. Come and play. Come and summon the new character. Really? Um, is that what it says? Yeah. Well, no, but it says words that are related to the game. But that's Okay, okay. What yeah. Um, what time is it for yeah, you, by the way? Yeah. It is a quarter past 11 in the morning. A quarter past 11 in the morning. Okay, and for Kenny and I right now, it is currently 8.14 p.m. on the East Coast. Uh, yeah. So that is that is the time difference between us right now. Yeah. But, uh, go yeah. ahead. So, um, so you are there fulfilled. are some ideas that, that float in my head, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and Outrun was sort of one of those ideas. It was like risk of rain, but top down, you know. So there's some ideas floating around that don't by themselves constitute a full game, but they're sort of cool ideas here and there. Maybe I'll combine them in some way at some point. Yeah. To, yeah. To make some. I know at different points in your journey and in your employment, your career mm. of being a game dev, when you were less creatively fulfilled, more or less, whatever. But I remember there being points after you made OutRealm and then after you were working for a studio where I would talk to you on Discord and then you would have these ideas and you would talk about, and I won't give any of the specifics, but you would talk about like the game that you wanted to make in your off time, your next game, mm. your personal game that you wanted to make. Yeah. And you were, you know, really passionate about the ideas that you're putting out and like wanted to create a prototype. I know at one point, uh, you were going to make like a YouTube series of this new yes, game you were going yes, to make. Yes, um, I was. You, and I think you made one YouTube video and never went, never went further with it. But well, I never, I never released it because I. Yeah, you never released it. I've, I've yeah, seen yeah, it unlisted. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, yeah. you had this idea of you were going to f make this game um, from scratch and document the entire experience. Uh, but mm. in that, you also had a full-time job working as a game developer already, and so you never really found the time. Um, it was also like a kind of a stressful and you know questionable working conditions job. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was mainly come home and it's like oh, I just want to so decompress. You know? Normalize um, leaving those uh, jobs. Yep. 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 We, yep. me and Fraser, I, I'm not going to get on that topic because no, we, me and Fraser can we can go for crazy reason, on those though, topics. Yeah, it is very interesting nonetheless like three months a lot of the i'm there podcast episodes have been just talking about that topic of yeah, bad jobs, work conditions bad work conditions so, so when you brought it up it's just right in line with yeah. the divine timing of this podcast well, always i have a problem with you calling it a dream job because a dream job there are dream jobs in game development right maybe maybe there's no such thing as a dream job i think i think calling anything a dream job is kind of i think it's weird to to idolize you know such employment you know in such a way um but you know my my that that role that i flew to new zealand for it was absolutely not my dream job there's nothing dreamy about it at all you know <laughs> um, and i had to i mean <laughs> very to the point there i like i that. mean it was still i mean let me don't get me wrong there are still jobs i would much rather not do than that job you know? but in I'm a way still, right yeah maybe 
at one point, being a game developer was your dream job, I would assume. Yeah. The thing, um, well, yeah, it is, thing it is, is my when you dream get career, into your, I will yeah. say that. It is my ideal career, you know. And it took me a long... Kenny knows. It took me a long time to get in, to get into the industry. I had to fight mm-hmm. tooth and nail for every bit of progress. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've talked to you a lot. I know you worked on a lot of things. And then even when... So, okay, I'll talk as, you know, somebody who was, yeah. you know, there for a bit of the witnessing, process. Witnessing you, a bit of it, yeah. I remember when you were making Out Realm and us talking about that like every day, having correspondence, you working on it, me being excited about what you make next. I mean, I remember playing that game and I don't even think the final level was in the game yet. Um, I remember playing the game before it had music. I remember playing the game when only half the levels had music, etc. But then you make Out Realm and then I don't remember how long afterwards it ends up happening, but there's still a time delay before you end up getting a job at an actual game studio. Yeah, yeah there was and a... There was a- Almost a year in there. And then you get a job at a game studio, and if I'm correct, I think that's when you started doing less game press stuff. You started writing less yes, for Fire Emblem Heroes. When started, I did less game press stuff. I actually made an announcement in there saying, hey, I'm never less time for this. Yeah, I still did then, it here and there. I still did it here and there. Yeah. And then from there, you got a job, full-time game yeah. developer on before a that, game called um, Farm Folks. Yes, yes. So before which, that, I, I was the most prolific writer on game press. For Fire Emblem Heroes, we had a few, but I was the most prolific one. Um, and that's that was reached. That represented the point where I dropped back and started working on Farm Folks. Farm Folks was a Kickstarter game, and uh, and what year was, was this? Very fresh, fresh, very fresh faced. It was it was basically 2019. 2019. Um, and what what year did that game come out? Uh, so that that is a rhetorical <laughs> question because we had a game come out. We had an alpha that was out that you could play. And so so to give a bit of context. I have a friend, there's no way I can tell the story without mentioning Ethan. I'm actually seeing him tomorrow, because I'm here in Australia again, hanging out with him tomorrow. Ethan is, is an artist of mine. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, the Freudian slips. Ethan is a friend of mine, um, who oh I met gosh, at, you at, at university. <laughs> a friend of mine that I met at university, uh, and, you know, at one point in like 2016, it was 2017 actually, late 2017, I was looking, I did a little bit of contract work. I haven't mentioned it yet because it's mostly incidental, but I did a bit of contract work. And that was like, I I didn't even really know what it was, but it was something. And I saw this job posting that required a 3D artist for an Australian game, and I sent it to him. And that game turned out to be Farm Folks. I actually sent him the job application that got him the job. And I said, man, you know, if they ever need a game designer, he said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And that, that actually happened somehow. Um, did you ever know that, Kenny? That I that that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've I, talked about it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's it's kind of insane. But anyway, so wait, you got so you got him a job basically. Be, and I I basically showed him the notification. You, you sh- I yeah, showed him the posting. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. You sent him the job. I didn't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't get him into the company. He ended up right. getting the job, and then what happened was that he came onto this project called Farm Folks, and Farm Folks is a Kickstarter. The person who made the Kickstarter is a guy called Mitch. Mitch is someone who had never made a game before, but he's got a bit of money, and he's very passionate about wanting to create something. Um, a genuinely good person, I, I will, I will, I will say. Um, very naive, of course. People with lots of money and not much, you know, a lot of money and a lot of naivety. Um, right. t- bad things tend to happen to those people, and and this was a case where that happened. Um, so Ethan came onto the project and he was working on it with a programmer, and that that programmer was essentially as close to a scammer as you could get without actually scamming. But he, he he was rubbish, knew nothing. So what Ethan said 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 to Mitch was, if I can re this, they were building. The project in unity um <clears throat> ethan said i if i can build everything he's done in unreal in three weeks will you fire him and mitch said yes so ethan did that um and so mitch fired him Damn. So, 
It's yep. awesome. <laughs> that is wild. And this was so so at this point, Farm Folks gets a Kickstarter. I get brought on. My first job is to write design documents. Um, and I do, I write design documents. And I'm essentially in charge of designing the game. There's no other game designer. And I, I sort of know what I'm doing a little bit. So I write some fairly decent design documents. They're not great, okay? I, I have a much greater appreciation of design documents. If you don't know what a design document is, it's documents the game designers write to keep track of what, how they want things to turn out, you know? So if you've got a combat system, you might write some thoughts down on some paper and it'll be more structured. And those documents get used by other teams. So other teams will read it to get, oh, I see sort of what you're trying to do with that, you know? You can read the document, um, get a very in-depth sense of that. Also, external stakeholders care about documents. So publishers will read your design documents because they want to know what you're making, right? They want to get a sense for it. <clears throat> They'll point out things and say, you can't do that and don't do that and all of this. Anyway, um, so that's done documents. So I did that and then we started working on the game um, in Unreal. And it was very, it was in March that actually we flew to GDC, Game Developers Conference, and we had a little booth there in the Epic booth because we had an Epic grant. So Epic invited us out. We were at the Epic booth meeting all the big shots, um, not really meeting any big shots, um, <laughs> but we met, we met Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Epic. We met that guy. He was cool. I didn't meet him, that, but he, the people he that walked make past. Yeah, yeah. They gave you guys a and grant. And they make Unreal. And also, because Fortnite was so successful, that's where a lot of the money came from, uh, to, to fund Epic Games. And then we sort of really failed at making that game. Um, a lot of it had to do with naivety across a lot of different people and the timescale. Some of it had to do with the programmer wasn't that good. <laughs> and there were people who were going through some personal traumas and it affected their ability to work. We brought on an intern. The intern was very keen, but... I was spending a lot of time fixing their work um, as opposed to actually doing my own work. And there wasn't a good structure. That, that intern was failed by us, basically, is what I would say. There was not a proper like, structure in place. I like that accountability. To, well, yeah, 100%, you know. Um, this is what I love about inter- getting older. People think that getting yeah. old is like a bad mm-hmm. thing. But one of the things I've noticed about all of my friends and everybody who I talk to who's around this age, all of us just have this mm. thing where we like accept our mistakes and our flaws and the things that we did wrong, yep. our part in things that went wrong in our lives. And we just kind of mm-hmm. like, and if they, and if you don't, if you don't at 32, then I look yep. at you as somebody I don't really want to be around because it's like, yeah, you need, mm-hmm, you still mm-hmm. need to figure some things out personally, not to get all mm-hmm. crazy here. But like, I I'm love sorry, that you man. said that we, we failed this intern cause it is an intern at the end of the day. And yeah, they fucked mm-hmm. up, but they're an intern. And you're like, yeah, I should have. In- interns we are going to fuck up. That Correct. is their job. That is literally their job. Yeah, and and is your <laughs> yeah. job as a as and a we senior... very naively thought that they they wanted they they essentially wanted to work for free for experience, and we thought yeah free work, but actually um, interns contribute a negative time to a creative project. Yep, they cost more time than they benefit, which is something none of us understood because um, we're all naive and and all that. Um, farm folks went south. All the devs got laid off. Um, and what is farm folks? By the way, I don't know if you said like what the game that I game. was the, the game that I've been talking about this whole time. I'm yeah, so sorry. It's, it's I not clarified. So it, it, it farm folks is right? a is is a game that is. Have you ever heard of Harvest Moon? I have it's, heard of Harvest it's, Moon. It's a game that. So Mitch's intent when when he co- concepted Farm Folks was that a spiritual successor to that. The name with, is very derivative of nothing else. Yeah. 
Um, um, yeah, so, so Harvest Moon, he wanted to make like a Harvest Moon style game, but with a lot of the comforts and modern sensibilities that Stardew Valley, which I mentioned earlier was as important as a game as Call of Duty was, um, all, all the modern comforts and sensibilities of that game, um, but actually give them a fully realized 3D world with, you know, all the stuff that Harvest Moon had. Um, and if... If I can interject, at this time, right now there's a shit ton of farming games and farming simulators and Harvest Moon likes um, that I would say partly sprung up from Stardew Valley. But there was a time delay between Stardew Valley coming out and a lot of these other farming games. And at the Hmm. time, if Farm Folks got made and was finished, it would have been in a much smaller circle. Now there's so many competitors. Uh, The genre has blown up a lot over the years between Farm Folk started development and now where it still is not out. And um, to the credit of Nick... one of the early, early adopters, you could say, of of that genre wave, you know? And to Nick's credit here, um, because, you know, the game, the development failed, there was development hell and all this other stuff, but to, to his credit... I would say, you know, he was working very hard on it. He, you were doing develop, dev streams. There were streams where you yes, would, you would go on, on Twitch. Twitch and you would stream um, you playing the game, you debugging the game, you doing th- like you were working very hard. Every time I talked to you, you were working on the game. Um, you certainly were putting in more than a 40 hour work week. Um, Sometimes. And and <laughs> and just putting, you know, everything you could into this game and really trying to get it to work. Yeah. And um, through. All kinds something that's of actually factors. really cool. Something I want to interject and say is that yeah, go ahead. Your the viewers of Critical Hit Plus, which is Kenny's stream, came and were the main like they got me started. Like they all came and viewed my stream because I'd been on Kenny's stream a bunch. Because this, mm-hmm. this this came at a time when Kenny was streaming. I was insanely poor and I couldn't really afford to just like put money like like that. You know, I was. I, I am as careful with my money as Kenny is. So I'd go on his stream and try and make his stream entertaining to support him that way. Because um, my time was actually less valuable. And, you know, oh, uh, all those people came and supported <laughs> me on Farm Folks. And that was really, really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I really, really appreciated I, that. And a lot of them did the same thing when we started this podcast. Yep. When we started the podcast. People took um, over. Uh, yeah, some people trickled over. All right, I got to tell the Flygon story. I got to tell the Flygon story. Okay, okay, let me give some some quick backstory. For anybody that doesn't know, somebody who's watched my stream, it's hard to say the word support it. Somebody who's watched my stream since the very beginning is this guy named Flygon. And Flygon is a bit of an unhinged character. He's uh he's pressing random in a fighting game. You just you don't know what's going to happen. And after you press <laughs> after you press random, the way he plays the game is with his eyes closed, hands covered in peanut butter, and he presses whatever button he wants. Like that's that's Flygon, okay? Um, he's yep. just this force of nature, this chaos. Also, the other important thing to clarify is that the atmosphere of, of the Critical Hit Plus streams is very different from the Farm Folk streams. Yeah, we're so, very we're very degenerate. You guys know yeah, me and Fraser. All degens, and we're I'm all a very degenerate I'm there too. We talk a and lot then of the shit. The Farm Folk streams were like wholesome. There's f- <laughs> people who supported the, the Kickstarter coming in, and it's all wholesome, nice vibes. And Flygon and- comes in. And like most people got that, most people got that, and like even the biggest DJs, they they knew and they got it, and it was all good. But Flygon came in, and I'll, ne- I'll tell you what he said. All this shit over. I will tell you what he said. I, I was, you know, he said, "Oh man, I do." I real quick, before you, yep. say, he Nick is doing a dev stream for a game he is professionally working on, and yes, and it's a very cozy, friendly. Oh, PC atmosphere. Yes, and yes. This guy comes in, and what happens? This guy comes in, and and everyone else is behaving. And he comes in, and he says, "Man, I had a dream last night that that um, you know, I I made this farming game, but it was it was like Auschwitz." 
Oh my like God, no. And what the fuck is so wrong I'm, with him? I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm doing my, my thing. And oh I, my I see God. that in chat. And I know that I've got like 10 seconds max to, oh to you no. know. Because you've got a time limit when you're streaming. And I'm like, okay, okay, I have to deal with this. And in that 10 seconds, what I decided to do was I, I basically decided to act like I had never met him before. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit and i said i, I, I said decision hey there flygon that's a, that's a, i'm gonna delete that comment that's a bit of a strange comment um i appreciate you coming and joining joining and supporting the stream but i just appreciate if you kept comments like that out, out of the out of the chat thank you i acted like i never met the guy yes like you had no um, fucking clue even, who I, had, I had been interacting oh. with him for years before that oh um, that's awesome that is unhinged and uh you know <laughs> that was, was his first response. comment like no one broke like, hey, my what's cover up? It no one like, broke hey, what's my up, cover Nick? it was great yeah yeah no that yeah. was his first comment. he just comes in and says that that's the kind of guy he is man but yeah you go on and to be you're... fair he got it after that he he felt bad like he he, he yeah, wasn't yeah. so unhinged that he was like oh and fuck like he didn't double that. down he yeah. saw the funny side afterwards and it was all good yeah yeah, yeah. say like schindler's list was the other game i wanted to make or some crazy shit yeah he didn't go he didn't just go fucking a wall yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good. No, it's good that see accountability. People, people accountability. Learn. But anyway, farm folks went horribly. Um, what were you gonna say, Kenny? I was gonna say farm folks is such an interesting story, and I think it's a story that deserves its own like full documentary in a way. At least maybe to other people they wouldn't. But to me, I'm so interested in it because of the, the the lens that I saw it through. Like I have a T-shirt mm. that says farm folks on. I have a T-shirt for a game that doesn't exist. I okay? like that. There is a um, picture of of Kenny, myself, and Ant. In Washington DC, having just I've just come from GDC, met all these guys for the first time, brought them free shirts from GDC. We're, we're, we're at GDC, sorry, we're at Washington DC, all in the same shirt. Mm-hmm. And Ant and- actually posted it recently in the Discord and said the farm folks. Yeah, and it's, it's like this alternate reality, you know. It's so interesting because when you were working on that game, I was like. First of all, I was already so proud and happy for you after you made Outrealm. And then I was like so happy because now you were working on this other game as like, a, you know, like you got like, this isn't your indie game. This is you working mm. on somebody else's game and like mm. full time game dev, whatever. And so I remember we were there was a lot of energy around far, farm folks uh, from my end and like people that we knew. And I was really excited to buy it when it came out. I, you know, there was a timeline for when it was going to come out. Um, but then, you know, things just kept going wrong. There was mismanagement in a lot of places. And then, you know, never got made. You ended up getting another job doing, very, and, you know, now you're working on the Lord of the Rings game, which is incredible. But Farm Folks had such a story and a timeline. I, I played alpha builds of the game on stream because, um, you, you know, you gave me an alpha build. I think there was an alpha build through the Kickstarter yeah. or something that I got access to. So all that interesting stuff. And, and Farm Folks, what's so crazy about it is that eventually the guy, Mitch, he sells the property, right? Yeah, he sold it to the publisher who had the publishers were a bunch of Russian guys who were <clears throat> scammers. They were scammers. Yes. Um because they, they signed a contract and they didn't fulfill their end of the contract. Um Yeah, there was a bunch of stuff like they didn't they were supposed to give you guys money and they didn't like, give you guys any money. Folks, it exists, it's still coming out. The publishers bought it, they changed the art style, they switched the engine, but like and I actually I was talking about this recently with Cheyenne and he he looked at it and he said it, it has no soul. Yeah, like, no, I the, I said the, the same thing. They're yeah, the most soulless, generic graphics ever. If you go to the farm, farm folks Twitter or whatever, it's like the most soulless, generic oh, looking game the fake, ever. Uh, Last of Us got leaked or whatever this year, yeah, and it looked like a soulless version of Last of Us. It's just this soulless. It looks like every cell phone game you've ever seen. Now yeah. it doesn't have its own identity, and it still claims to be coming out. It's so here's Nick mentioned that there was a Kickstarter. They raised a bunch of money. They did another Kickstarter. 
They did another yeah, Kickstarter. They did, another Kickstarter. Um, they did a lot of other CD stuff that, in my like, there was a one point when they took over the development from it, and like, essentially, all the old staff was gone. Nick was gone. Nick said he made all these design documents, right? They end up saying like, we got rid of the whole old staff, and we had to make a whole new, fresh design document. We're going in a whole new direction. They release mm-hmm. what their design documents are, and Nick is on a Discord call with me, and he goes, "Those are my documents. Yeah, I sure. wrote that." So, like, the yep. documents he wrote, they said, they, like, essentially threw him under the bus, not him specifically, but they threw the old dev team on the bus, said, like, they didn't do anything. Then they literally took the old dev team's work and said, like, we're going on a whole new direction, and this is our direction. And it was just their direction they were already going in. That's wild. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, I was even surprised, because I, I was thinking to myself, you could have just had, you obviously don't have any game designers on your project, but, like, yeah. damn, like, you should, because we learn things during development. We, we... For instance, one really big feature that I thought was going to be super cool was your crops could die and they get sick and you have to like put something on them to heal them. Um, I thought that was really cool. People hated that. And I, in hindsight, would have cut that from the game, you know, yeah, but it yeah. was in the document. So it was like, hey, and it's still coming, you know, so like, like it's still coming. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, you know, you, yep. you know, the game, all that happens, dev hell, et cetera. And then what's so crazy is the game is still not out. They still claim it's coming out. And then just recently, one of the funniest one of the funniest oh like things goodness. happened with I the game. So that. this yeah. story goes on a whole roller coaster. Just recently, Farm Folks Twitter blows up is not the right word. They release a tweet. Up. No, no, no. That is, that is not the right way to start that, that story. That's right. Go so ahead. You, Cult you, of yeah. the Lamb Twitter blew up. Okay. Cult, Cult of the Lamb is an indie game if you don't know. Okay. Yes. Um, and they made a it did very well. It's a successful game. And it's a good game from what I hear. Um, they made a post on their Twitter saying, hey, um, if this game, if this tweet gets three hundred thousand followers, then we'll add sex to the game. Oh shit! And Just I think like they got home. they got a bunch of followers or something, right? And farm folks, people, they saw this and was like, "Hmm, okay." And then they they quote retweeted that and said, "Hey," and they just made. I can't even describe what what I saw, but it was the tweet <laughs> that is it's it's the exact wrong tweet you send. That's not without being racist or offensive. It's the oh, wrongest you can be without no. being racist or offensive. And it was it was uh, a tweet basically saying what they would add to the game if they reached certain amount of followers. Mind you, a and game that's not was, out yet. A game that's not out yet. And keep in mind, this audience they are the target market for farm folks is women between twenty five to thirty five. That is really? the target market for farm folks. Yep. Yep. 100%. I did not. I did not know that at all. That demographic would have been if you put that in multiple choice. I'm doing that shit wrong. That, that demographic of gamers is rapidly growing and huge, and it's because people are making games they want to play. And I give a lot of credit to Stardew Valley because who that knew that if you don't it. force them to cook and clean it, they'll just do it on their own. People didn't make games for women because, well, I mean, games for women in and of itself is kind of a loaded statement, right? Um, yeah, because it's really like there are no games strong enough for a woman. It's, it's like there are no games for women or games for men. There are just games, right? Um, but. Games like you look at you look at the games that existed. I sort of talked about this already, but Call of Duty lobbies like how many girls are going to get into Call of Duty because the second they talk on voice, you know, they yeah. literally cannot enjoy that game. The oh, same I'm going to come and fuck you tonight. Oh, let me see your titties. Game. Yeah, they they literally have a different experience. They, they cannot have the same experience. Yeah, the world um, is extremely sexist towards women. Obviously, I was joking yes. a second ago. If you guys didn't catch um, the fucking yeah, 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 yeah. But but games for women is like this concept where it's like it's just a game where they don't get abused. Oh (laughs) no, that is it's not that extreme. It's not that extreme. But but that's just like oh, it's crazy. But there's some truth in that statement, which is what's so crazy about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. All jokes come from 
a real place. Like, I was, the same thing yeah. with stereotypes. Like, they come from something that people are, they're not just making shit up. People are drawing from something when they say these things. Um, yeah, I mean, at one point, deodorant was marketed as strong enough for a man, but made for a woman, as though to mm. say that it needs to be like like men it can like handle what? a man strong enough for a man that's a very interesting statement right because it's saying that oh like mm -hmm. if it can do a, if, if it can make a man smell good then a woman should be no problem because it's easier to make women smell you know better than a man like they're lo they're lower than in a way uh mm, or that's at least yeah. that's at least oh, how well, people, they don't they don't work as hard they don't sweat as much right just, that, it's, it's that's at least really, how people really interpret really it it's like oh if it's yeah. man strength level like of scent yeah, then yeah, surely yeah. it's going to be a, more than enough for a woman and uh they i've always, I've always been a fan now. of uh like when when they call it industrial grade industrial strength that's my favorite what does that even <laughs> mean that i've heard that obviously but what does that mean? That's the thing. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Like, okay. that, like, it works on me. It works on me, you know? Industrial strength. I think the iPhone is still marketed with, like, industrial strength titanium or some crap like that. Yeah, just like, nonsense. Yeah, but, just anything. So say all this to say, this is farm folks' target audience are, yeah. you know, females between the ages of 25, 35. Mm. Um, it's a real cozy game, so to speak. And then, yep. so what happens with Twitter? Um, they made, they made a really, really cheap grab at attention with a bunch of like sex related jokes and people were reacting on discord with like puke emojis and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. I and, think, like, was it, I think they said if we get 69,000 followers, yeah, it was 69,000, they call it farm fucks. Like, yeah. If we get 69,000 followers, we'll add like, sex to the like game. Like now, and let's ride this, this wagon to the top or something. They said it was and we'll call it farm fucks. They said, they said, trailer we're going to add a new trailer and it's going to be, uh, like the, the whole well, barn will get wild or something. The like. whole barn will get wild. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is not good. Yeah. Yeah. This is a game that's not even out yet. Like they're still trying to generate interest and just steal money, honestly, because they made a second Kickstarter and still have, have made like no real progress on the game. Like everything they added to the game could have been added to a cell phone game in a fucking in six months. And it's been years since they made it a second Kickstarter. It's just like, it's crazy because there is a real dark side to game development. Yeah. 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 Volvi. Enough about farm folks. I'm done with that game. Um, it's a big game yeah, for gaming. It sucks. <laughs> I ended up working, working on a game called Flintlock, which was a real game that is really coming with a real dev team. Um, <clears throat> I moved to New Zealand for it. And that was an interesting experience. I, that was my first time ever working with another game designer. It is a Souls-like game. So okay. you can like look Dark at it. Souls. It's got trailers. There's trailers for it. Um, and I was brought on as Flintlock, yeah. So the premise is that you play as this character who has an axe and a gun and she kills things. Um, the story was never really that interesting to me, but I know there's been a lot of work on it since... since um, and I know the lead narrative designer and he's super good. So, Yeah. Um, it's a game that, at the time that I worked on it, I did not feel that it was, like, coming together in a lot of ways. Um, I was super unhappy with my lead at the time, and I was super unhappy with um, the the creative director of the project. Because um, they, they didn't agree, and then I didn't know what to do, and then, you know, it was this whole mess. But I made some really good friends there, actually. Um, people I still talk to. And the cool thing about game development is that you meet people, and you work with them... And then they go off and work in other companies. And then if you want to get a job at that company, they put in a good word for you. That's like, you know, if you, if you were good to them at, at your previous company. I was talking about this with, with a co-worker the other day. She and I were talking about, well, how do you really network? Like, do you really need a network? And I think you network by being good at the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. And that just generates a network, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, just to quickly relate it to, you know, being a bartender, uh, I feel like the similar thing happens in the restaurant industry, right? Like you meet people in the restaurant and then every single restaurant at some point 
um, turns to shit and your a new manager comes in or something. But they all turn to shit. There's a high turnover rate in, in many restaurants and bars uh, because you get treated like shit um, so often, whether it be new management or whatever. And what ends up happening is one of your friends goes to another bar, another restaurant, and then you're still there. And then like they're like, hey, it's actually really I'm making a lot of money over here. It's really cool. Um, they're not so on my happy. ass. And I could get you a job over here. Do you want to bartend over here? And you're like, yep. hell yeah. And then they're like, all right, come in Friday. And you go in Friday and you work over there. And everything's good for about a year. And then something goes <laughs> fucking wrong. Always a, a new, year. Always yeah, a year. A new manager comes in because like there's a high turnover rate for the managers as well. So old manager leaves, new manager comes in. That new manager wants to prove himself, wants yep. to prove his oh, worth. God, the worst. And he starts changing everything and it makes the place a fucking shithole and inevitably somebody leaves and then one of your friends goes to another new place and then you go and then this you know the you cycle. go with them yeah it's the cycle yeah it's, it just sounds like it's every business then it <laughs> is that when he was saying that i was like this is not exclusive to bar backing or anything to do with that this is just what happens period yep but it is so, it is good to know that that is not good yep. to know, but it is interesting to notice a shared experience that like, cause I experienced the exact same type of thing where devs leave my company, accountants leave my company, then they start siphoning them off to the other company. Yeah. So this is what would happen at, at, at my old company, basically. Um, for instance, it was about six months after I, I worked there. So Sledgehammer is in Melbourne. Sledgehammer, they have a Melbourne office and they make Call of Duty, right? And they were ramping up to make, it was the Call of Duty that came out last year. Um, and they had put out a hiring call and their recruiters got in touch and we lost like four or five people to that, you know, they just rip, stripped, stripped just a few, take them right off. out. And then there was this other company that was hiring and you know what? They stripped another four or five. And it's like, every time a company's hiring, we got, we got some people who will leave. So now there's little like pocket, this studio, there's little pockets of it, different companies. And I am a part of four or five developers who went from the company that I used to work at to the one I work at now. And those people that went before me, because I was like good to them and stuff, they put in a good word for me. Um, so when, when the, the, they were hiring me, they said, hey, you work with this person. What do you think? And they said, give, it, give, give him a shot. He's good. That's so awesome. Be good yeah, to your coworkers. Cool. It's the best reason ever to be good to your coworkers. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, uh, I agree with that take. Like, I also just think that it's not in your best interest to be shitty to your coworkers anyway. Yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. Like, it's just yeah. counterproductive in a way that you might not realize when you're younger. Mm-hmm. But like being shitty to your coworkers is like being shitty to the person you live with. Mm-hmm. It's like you have mm-hmm. to see this person a lot, probably more than the people you live with a lot of the times. Yep. So having a bad relationship at work, I'm, I've had a bad relationship before at work with a boss. And uh, when I tell you that the level of anxiety that that creates and you leave. Oh, yeah. You, so bad. Oh, it's awful. And you leave with it, too. Like you go home and you're thinking about it. Yeah. And then, and then when you come in, you have anxiety of the interactions you're going to have today. Like. Oh God, mm-hmm. is he going to be a dickhead today? Is he going to be like an asshole? Are we going to get into another argument today? Like it just becomes a whole thing. Are we going yeah. to be talking in HR's office? This is all stuff that I've experienced, by the way. Um, there's, there's no benefit to it. There's no benefit to being an asshole to your coworkers, really. Uh, there's not really any upside. And it's yeah. the same reason why they tell you not to date your coworkers. Because right. maybe when you start dating, it's all good. But you guys are going to break up. The yes. chances that you guys are going to be the ones to get married is very low. You guys are going to break up. And then when you break up, now this creates a really awkward yes. space and, where you're and, working. Yeah, that and unprofessional at the same time. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you got well, a recommendation. I, and, uh, I got yeah. a recommendation and then I left that place. And uh, that was a place, that was the only place where I'd really seen, because you, okay, so everyone knows that the game industry has got bullying and like all of that. And like you, you guys, because you guys are gamers, right? You guys hear about, when I say you guys are gamers, right? I feel like that's, 
Hey, you kids are gamers, right? Pokemon yeah. go to the polls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but what I mean is, so for instance, there was a big controversy with Blizzard a few years ago. Um, and I'm sure that reached, I, I'm almost certain that reached the wider. And like, I don't expect the average consumer to like give a shit about that really, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't expect that person to say, oh, I'm going to boycott Blizzard games because of this. But it is a thing that happens. And you get told about it when you start working in the game industry. You get told there are people that are like this. And you're like, ah, oh, well, everyone's nice, everyone's lovely. And then you meet, then you see it, and you're like, is that is that what I think I'm seeing right now? Is that just it right there? Uh, oh god. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, well, uh, okay, there, yeah. there it is. I I have just witnessed it. That was my reaction of first witnessing uh, workplace bullying. Um, and the thing that made this really bad is that the person that did this was someone who um, she was first of all in a very high position of power in this company and. She's someone who personally championed for a lot of rights for um, people. Like she, she was. Um, what is uh, what is the term? She was black, basically. She was black. Yeah. She, she was. She'd flown from America, and she was really. She, she had acted like she was championing the rights of women and the rights of black people, and she was interested in boosting those signal boosting those people in the industry. And I witnessed her just horrifically bully people in the workplace. And I just could not believe it, you know. Yeah, but hey, that's the that's the industry. It does suck. She's also American, it's, it's, so you already know. Americans well, go to she foreign. She came in. She came in with that American power. So oh, that's what I'm. That's um, what I'm telling you. Americans go to foreign countries and act like fucking the most rude, ignorant people you can imagine. <laughs> like that is just an American thing to do. We just assume that the rest of the world should know all about us. And that we don't have to know yeah. anything about anyone else's culture. That's just how Americans naturally Sometimes turn Sometimes that power can be useful. So has has Ant, yeah, I assume Ant's been on the podcast a few times, right? Everyone here knows Ant. The viewer yeah, yeah. Ant's been on here, Anthony, yeah. A lot. Right? Great guy. So Ant came to visit me in 2018 in, down in Australia. And he came to stay with me and my cousin, and who we live together. And my cousin, um, being a timid Australian, as, as we all are, she really wanted to return this piece of clothing, Right. She had this top that she wanted to return, and she just didn't have the confidence to go in. She was legally entitled to a return, yes. But she just—it was—it was this weird thing, and and you know. So when Aunt came, she said, "Aunt, can you go in and do it for me?" And so Aunt, you know, he takes the top, he goes in, comes out two minutes later with a full refund. With, with you know? no, I bet it took him nothing to do it, that it was, either. Exactly, exactly. Because when his, to, his power level is just so much higher by oh, default. You know? Astronomical. Like it's off it's over nine thousand. And when you said it, I was like, this is nothing. Like I I yeah, return yeah. things <laughs> weekly. Like this is this is nothing. Yeah. And I've heard him I've heard him get uh what's the word? Like rowdy or whatever. Um, I've heard him get rowdy. There, there was a time when it was actually the time that I came to the U.S. Where what was it? It was like it was when it was I'll like, tell you. I know the exact story. Okay, okay, we, you tell it. Half he came to the U.S. Uh, as a Nick, and we were hanging out in New York, and <clears throat> half of us wanted to eat at like Chick Fil A, and I think the other half wanted to eat at McDonald's or whatever. Right. And then so what we did was this McDonald's had like an upper floor that was mm-hmm. just like kind of a lounging dining area. Yep, I've and seen so, that. Before. They have that in Japan too. So. We went to Chick-fil-A, we got our food, and then we got it to go. We went to McDonald's. Nick got his food, and maybe whoever else wanted McDonald's got their food. Um, and then we went upstairs to sit down and eat upstairs. I think I know where this is going. And then a random McDonald's employee came yep. upstairs and started ar- telling us that we're not allowed to sit here with outside food. Um, and then I don't remember the specific words that were said in the argument, but Aunt. Ant got a little he fired fiery. Up. He fired up. Ant got a little fiery. He got, he got, he got a little. Uh, There's definitely an American thing, also a, a black thing too, to just like you know. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's a real thing. Like just I, I in certain situations, it's very good because you do want to stand up for yourself. You don't want to let people walk all over you. But obviously it, it can also be a detrimental thing if you are just wilding out for no reason, which I've also done before. And I've suffered consequences for yeah. wilding out for no reasons. So, you know, yep. it can go I mean, double edged sword. Sometimes you just got to get stuff done. Like yeah. relatively recently, me, Frazier oh, and some yeah. of our other friends, we went happens. to Chubby Cattle and the service we were, was, yeah. We were kind of on a time clock. We got there and then they were like, they were like, oh, you got an hour to eat. Yeah, they, yeah, they gave us a time yeah. clock. They were like, we have a, a reservation here at this time, whatever. Um, So we were like, okay, we, we can agreed. eat in an hour. Yes. If you guys bring us food, we got to get our food brought out like quickly. Like you, you can't wait 40 minutes to bring us our food. Yeah. This is so a hot pot restaurant, by the way, guys. So you, you make your own food. You, if you know what a hot pot is, it's, it's that exact type of establishment. Yeah, like they're not cooking our food. Yeah. Right? Our food's so, not being cooked. They're bringing raw food to the table and you have to cook it in a little hot pot yourself. So there was multiple times where like the service just wasn't happening. And like, once again, this isn't, they don't have to make my burger in the back. Like they're just right. handing me meat. They're handing you um, all fucking meat. And so there was just multiple times. I don't remember all the specifics, but there's multiple times where I was like, hey, my man, or like, and I'm calling. Yo, and, buddy. Yo, yo, buddy. And just <laughs> calling out to them and like, they're kind of surprised yeah. at me, but it's like, we got to get stuff done. Like, you and guys like, are I'm kinda, so glad Kenny's here. Yeah, you guys are kind of yeah, taking yeah, your yeah. time. Like, we got shit to do. Because yeah. we needed somebody to be that guy, to be the rowdy one who's <laughs> like, all right, yep. I'm going to start roping these pe- these fucking horses together. Like, they get, get your shit together. You know what I mean? Like, we, we told you we can do this one hour deal if you bring us food. That's the deal we made. And you accept it. So if you mm-hmm. want our money, you need to honor your half of the deal. And right now, it's taking you fucking 15 minutes to get us rice and, and uh, a plate and of raw meat. And a plate of raw meat. Like, bro. There's no reason we should be waiting this long. We're all staring at each other like, I need more food. Like, I need more. The fucking pot's boiling. Like, we need yeah. more food. So, <laughs> I've done my pot. I boiled the pot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I literally exactly. boiled the water. But, uh, my yeah, aunt is that person in my family. I have an aunt. And we all stand. She she will go. She's the she's a Karen. She's a Karen. Oh, no. <laughs> we all know Not she's this. a Karen, but she's a Karen for us. She's our Karen. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. it can be yeah, She's a Karen for, for the good. people. You know. <laughs> Like, I remember we went out on Mother's Day a few years ago. It was me and my mother and my cousin and her mother, and it's the four of us. We went out for Mother's Day, and we go to this restaurant, and my aunt says it's a great restaurant, and it is a great restaurant, but it's full. There are no tables. And, you know, we're like, how are we going to get a table? And she goes up, and we get a table, you know? And it's just it's just sometimes it's just useful to have that person. Woo. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know what went on in there, but I just know that she said some things that needed to be said. And then we got a table. To get to get us a table, and we got a table. And we all felt a little bad, but we're also like, well, we got a I'm table. I'm so too. happy I'm eating. We, we're we we're benefiting from, from her Karen power. Yeah. None of us have the heart to do it, but she does, and we kind of dislike her for it sometimes. My mom used to be like that when I was younger, because I wasn't, I wasn't as, like, um, I guess, blunt as I am now. Brazen. Yeah, brazen. That's a that's a better word for it. I wasn't as brazen for sure. And my mom was very brazen when I was a kid. So whenever any situation would happen that was like an inconvenience to us, she would just say what was on her mind and and get us service or get us better treatment. And that shit I guess that like seeing that happen so many times is like, okay, you can actually go about the world like this. Like this is a way that you can go about the world and it actually yields good results. They actually say like nice guys finish last, right? Like that is a, yeah. that is a statement that everyone in the world basically knows and has heard of at some point. Um, that statement doesn't just apply to like nice guys getting with women. It applies across the board, like being over overly nice actually can be to your detriment because people start to walk over you they start to think that they can bully you they start to think that they can talk to you a certain kind of way and it's unfortunate that the world works like that where you do have to kind of stand up for yourself and grow some next thing you know 
you have 15 years at a job where you spend f- you, you stay f- five minutes after four or whatever and, yeah and you think, uh, you think you're doing something you're like I, nothing's happened i've gotten no promotions nothing yeah you've been um, here 15 years you think that you stay in 10 minutes after four o'clock is gonna do something because like you you worked your eight hours but you put in an extra 10 to 20 minutes every day just to show that you're a team player it's like these companies don't yeah. do fuck. <laughs> so yeah uh, yep. A couple qu- quick things I want to shoot at you. I don't know how much longer we're going to go. We're almost at three hours. Yeah, um, we should. But we can definitely. Yeah, yeah we're almost at we're two hours and forty five minutes. But definitely want to have you back on. There's so much yeah, we can talk about. But- clearly, we can just keep going, and I would love to keep going because I think this is a very interesting topic. And what we'll also do, we have a um, guest questions channel in our Discord server, and mm-hmm. I would I would like to have everyone listen to this episode. And then come up with questions for a game designer slash game developer that they would have, so that we could ask them to you, and they could be points of discussion on the next time we have you on, which could be really soon, actually. If yeah, you're down, whatever kind of questions yeah, you guys sure. have for them. One I'll start off with um, that I thought of is, in your opinion, you talked about your journey in, t- in terms of mm-hmm. going to uni and, and getting. If somebody wanted to become a game developer today, they wanted to like go through the process. They're starting from zero. Would you suggest them going to college, going to uni or would you, or would you suggest a different path where they could get more practical skills quicker? So, so if um, that's even possible. Yeah. 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 So, so that's a, that's an excellent question. Yeah. Fantastic it requires, question. It, it, it requires a complex answer though. So I went to uni. Um, what I found was that my course was not very useful. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the, the qualification, um, and I had to work really hard after that to become employable. So you can kind of just work really hard and not go to uni. Um, and that is, I think, a superior way. If I could do it all over again, I wouldn't touch university. I would load, load up Unreal, um, download it, watch tutorials, start, start there, or start modding. There's a lot of really great games that have... I, they're, they're beyond mod tools. They're creation platforms. I'm talking about Fortnite, Roblox... You know, mm-hmm. um, they, they are no longer mod tools. They are creation platforms. Create something cool. You know, um, the thing is, is that I cannot deny that coming from a small country town where no one, no one even knew about anime. Okay. That experience of going to university and being surrounded by like-minded people for the first time ever in my life was magical. You know, mm. it was such a shift for me. I, I didn't know there was a world out there with, and it, where everyone was like me, you know, I was the outcast, kind of, before, so, you know? You, so in that regard, would you say it was culturally beneficial for you yeah. to expand your so, horizons in that way? But but in terms of the technical skills, um, yeah. now, maybe not as much. The other thing I will say is that I have seen some of the work that comes out of schools now, and it is much closer to the, to the employable standard. Um, I think education has gotten better over the years. That's so weird that it got better um, just recently, though. Well, engines got better. So... I know, but it's just got, so weird to a lot think... more use, usable, and that it becomes easier to onboard people onto the process of making games. You know? Yeah, that I, like, I, I get me what you're making saying. that that game, me making that game Outrealm. Um, I couldn't have done that like five years before that point. I could not have <laughs> even dreamt of that. You know, um, but it became possible, and so now it's. But that also means that there's kind of less reason to go to uni because you can just teach yourself, you know? That's what's, I promise I'm, you there is an Indian guy on YouTube that has what you need in a video. I think I agree with you. I think YouTube University is one of the best teachers for everything in life. I learned how to cut yep. my own hair. Uh, I, I've mm. been cutting my hair for 13... It's over 13 years now. November 2010 was the last time that I went to a barbershop. Um, mm. 
And I learned it from YouTube. I learned how to cut my hair and my friend's hair. I cut several people's hair now, like every couple of weeks. And I learned it all from YouTube. YouTube is a great resource for learning things. You really don't have to fork over a shit ton of money or put yourself in crippling debt to learn skills, to pick up valuable skills that are employable. I like to use that word earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You could definitely get technical employable skills off of YouTube. As crazy as it sounds, I'm not saying that if you want to be a heart surgeon, go on YouTube. You cannot do that. That is actually just never going to happen. But there are a lot of practical things that you can learn on YouTube. And there are a lot of things that uh, you don't need a medical degree to do that YouTube can 100% teach you. And it's a great resource. This is a different world. I'm just having a hard... What I was saying earlier is like I was having a hard time with the idea and accepting that we were just born too early. Mm. Because the reality is it's true for me too with accounting. Like the way they're teaching the kids now, they're coming out of school like better because the systems are better right like the accounting yep. systems are just better at automating processes that we used to do manually so i always think like damn it's crazy if i was just born like 10 years later i would be probably a better accountant because i'll be starting from where i'm at right now but earlier in my life um yeah with better be, skills overall true of everyone who was ever born at correct any, at any time so you yep know. yeah i always say now is the kenny knows i say now is the best time to be alive I, I do not want to yep. live in the past. That is not a thing. I don't have this like a uh, weird desire for the past and nostalgia also because I'm black. So I can't go too far back anyway. But like, <laughs> I don't, I don't have this thing where I like want to back live to when America was great. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I don't want to go to the sixties where like you could beat women and get away with it. Like that's not a desire of mine. Um, <laughs> but I like, I like it where I can pull out this device right here that is active at all times. And I can summon a car and I can summon ice cream right now. And it will be mm. in my door within 10 minutes i can summon a car and ice cream transportation ice cream to my door within 10 minutes with this device i there's no better time to be alive and you can while you eat your ice cream you can watch a documentary on the history of how ice cream was made and you can learn how to make your own ice cream i can learn how to make ice cream this is all factual yeah the world is is getting a uh better Um, and better there is a little bit more i want to say on what you should do if you want to become a game dev sorry i just uh there is more to that so learning learning engines on youtube will teach you the skills you need to develop games but they will only teach you technical skills. They will not teach you interpersonal skills. They will not teach you production skills. Production skills are skills that are employed in the active production of a game in a team of people. It's very different. Um, it's very different. Working on your own game solo is very different from working on a game in a team. Um, you, there, there are lots of things you need to be doing. Communication, for instance, when you're by yourself, you don't really need to communicate. When you're in a team, you need to communicate effectively, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of the skills for a game designer are actually skills, they're soft skills, they're communication skills, they're how to articulate yourself, how to, um, they're, they're political skills, how to get someone on board with an idea or, you know, shoot down a bad idea or an idea that you don't like in a way that doesn't make that person feel small, you know, mm. um, or even better, it actually gives that person something to take away from for their next thing, you know, um, just giving and, and, and receiving feedback, huge thing. So a lot of my job is actually talking, you know. Um, I will go and something will, will happen in someone, someone will push an update to the game that breaks something and I'll go talk to that person and calm, not calm them down, but like, you know, explain to them how they can do their work around this other work and like how that's going to be okay. And like all of that, you know, that's a lot of what my job is. Um, so yeah. I also want to add something to what you said a little bit earlier in your, uh, talk about college and what it did for your university. Um, I I have the exact same experience and we are very close in age. I have the exact same experience with college where I don't think that college really taught me accounting uh, the way I learned it on the job. But what it did do 
was introduce me to like-minded people, other people who are becoming accountants, um, like-minded people that I would not have met otherwise. And it got me to make connections, just think and also interact with humans. Those interpersonal relationships, just learning how to talk to people, learning how to talk to people mm-hmm. who are from different places. Like literally we had students who are from Africa, who are from like all kinds of places in the world, right? Like all over mm-hmm. people come to universities and colleges, they travel wherever to get money from or whatever. Um, and that was, to me, a person who was born and raised in Philadelphia, never lived anywhere else in my life, uh, traveled only for Yu-Gi-Oh. For me, that was mind-blowing, like, to just be surrounded by a lot of different types of people and learn what people think and and be more accepting of the way people think and the way people's cultures are set up. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. I think that there is value in that, but not enough value that I would be willing to put myself in crippling debt or... Um, spend all my money to do so. So well, I think we're in yes. agreement perfectly with the whole university thing. It's like, there are things that we got from it for sure. It's not all bad. Like college isn't all bad. That would be ridiculous to say, uh, yes. but it's, it's just not worth it. Like, it's just not worth the actual dollar, at least in America, the dollar amount in America that you spend for university. I'm sure you know this, Nick, is ridiculous. Yes, yes. And it's, it's the, the course I did was expensive as well. Um, yeah, it's student debt is, is horrific. It's and awful. I don't know if your country is the same, but yeah, yeah, it's basically the same. Yeah, I um, America's fucking I, gross with that. I have a thing on this. I don't remember if I've said it on this podcast or not, but it's something I do feel strongly about is the idea of like, I think it is crazy, especially when they were going through the whole student debt relief thing that uh, Biden was talking about. And it was even talked about before Biden, yeah. but the whole student debt relief thing. And then I heard so many people at my job, people that I knew, just people out in public, people on YouTube, et cetera, people saying like, like, though like you signed up for that you took out that loan you went to school like you like you signed that's what you wanted to do you signed up for it or whatever and like people just like blaming the people that are in college debt and something that really frustrated me um and i got in a little bit of a tit for tat with some people was that you're talking about 16 year olds like yeah now they're thank 19 you. they're 20 Fucking they're 25 you. they're 30 yeah we're 30 now but when we were pressured into going to college and then taking out <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars of loans or hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans we were pressured to do that and we were told that's the only way to go forward in life and the only way to go forward in society the way that. The, when we were pressured into all that when we were just 16 now remember 16 for all intents and purposes throughout most of america is you're considered like you don't have their own say over your own life there's no, many things you can't, you can't buy cigarettes do. you can't fucking buy you can't Cars, you can't rent a car, you can't rent an apartment. Like it, the list goes on. There's so you can't buy yeah. a gun. Like there's so like, many things that you cannot do as a 16 year old. But you can sign a promissory note for a hundred thousand dollars. You couldn't get a loan for any other reason. If you were 16, for any other, if you, if you, even if you were 20, you couldn't get a loan for that much money for any other reason. But if you say you're going to school, they all of a sudden will just approve you for a loan that you could never realistically pay back. And like, yeah. and it's one of the most egregious loans you could get. So predatory. And, the interest rates are ridiculous. It's just the whole system. And it happens fucked. to you at a time in your life when the law agrees that you are not legally old enough. Your brain is not <laughs> developed enough to make these kinds of decisions. That's why there's age of consent laws, right? The right. reason why if you're 25, you're not allowed um to have relations with a 16 year old is because according to the law, scientifically, whatever studies they've done, this person's brain not developed enough to understand the weight of the decisions they're making. So why are they able to also take out a hundred thousand dollars and put themselves in debt for the rest of their life? Our government said the only one doing the raping around here is us. So (laughs) that's how they feel about the, the age of consent does not apply to the government. That's basically how we're treated. And it really sucks. Um, the other thing I want to add to that, Kenny, and we can, we can kind of start to end it 
around here, but I I don't like how people do this thing where they say, because I went through it, I want you to have to go through it as well. Yeah. So yeah. other people, because there are people on the other side too who went through college and they paid off their student loan debt, their crippling debt, they actually got through it, however they got through it. And they feel like, well, I paid off all my student loans. I did it. So you should have to as well. And to me, that's just so fucked. Because it's like, oh, I was once a slave. So you should have to have that same experience. I went, yeah. I got raped or molested. So you should have to have that same experience. Because I got through it and I'm fine. I made it yeah. through just fine. Like, yeah. why can't you? Yeah, you're just, so just, fine. You're not, just you're not deranged up. at all. Yeah, just toughen yeah. up. Like, it's so re- bullshit to say like, oh, because I went through it and I got through it. And you think that you're, even though most people who say that they aren't fine, they think that they're fine. It's like, you think that just because you got through it, that that's okay for other people to have to go through the same thing. You should want people to not have to go through it. Yeah, I, I, I remember hearing that argument and I didn't come up with this, but I heard it compared to cancer. Somebody was like, they took that argument and they basically said like, oh, well, my mom died for, of cancer. So it's not fair that we continue to do cancer research and cure cancer because <laughs> yeah, like my mom cancer. already died from it. Right. Like all these other people already died from cancer. So everybody yeah, like, else what? has to die too. Like we can't continue to do cancer research. Like, yeah, that's it's just as ridiculous. It's like, okay, that why are we not trying to make the world better? Like when you when you know better, you do better. In the discussion, like what are we talking? Somehow about? Somehow that has to do with game development. Yeah, somehow some, that's to some, do with game development. Somehow cancer <laughs> and student loans and game development. That's the I'm their podcast for you though. Uh, but yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Nick, for stopping by. If you have no any worries, closing... it was wonderful. Um, if there was two smart things I said across this whole podcast, is probably take yourself seriously as a creative person. I love that. And endeavor to understand why things are the way they are, not just as things as they are. Yeah, I like that as well. I love it. Smart things I said on this podcast. I just used that recently in a different way. Um, it's a quote from uh, Bleach. Eisen says it, but he says like people like you and me talking about him and Orihara, who are like the two smartest people in the show. He says people like you and me should not accept the world for what it is. We should um, see it for what it could be. And so, mm, like, kind of the same, good. yeah, kind of the same concept. I, I'm, I'm not getting the quote exactly right, but he, he's mad at Orihara because Orihara accepts the way the world is. He's like, this is just how it is. And Eisen's like, that's bullshit. You're just as smart as me, if not smarter. You should not accept the way the world is. You should be um, trying to see it for what it should be. Mm-hmm. So that mm. that has always stuck with me since that episode of Bleach. That's like one of the last episodes of Bleach. Too spoilers for Bleach, I guess. Too late. But yeah, I love that. I love that moment. Yeah, um, I uh. I loved having you on. I always love talking to you. We, you know, we talk a bunch. Um, we haven't gotten a chance to talk as much recently, just because our job yeah, schedules actually, and our we've schedules like are twice in the past year. It's insane. We've gone from talking every like week every to day. Like, yeah, to we yeah, don't get to talk, yeah. but different time zones, job schedules, etc. Um, but I think you, you know, you provide a lot to talk about, a lot of value, and I think you have a unique perspective, especially for nerds. Are you giving me a job interview. Uh, sound, like, uh, sound like you're interviewing me, but it's just yeah, cool. You bring it's just a lot cool. of value, you know. We like we like you. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we, we you'll, you'll call me. Is that how you this f- works? You'll call yeah, me. yeah. I'll call you. You feel like I need if I need a marine biologist, I'll um uh, I'll call yeah, you. No. But no, I mean, I just think it's cool. Um, I can't wait to just have you on again so we can rant. We didn't get we didn't get to talk too much about it, but I love the little Greed Island rant you did, and oh, uh, I, can, I can go. I'd love to talk to you. I mean, share all. I mean, Kenny and I. I actually said to to. Hunter Hunter the One the Piece. Day, there is no other person in the world that I share as much fandom with as Kenny. I think. Yeah, I don't think. Maybe. I think that's yeah. true for everyone that Kenny comes in contact with, though. Yeah, Kenny just is. Yeah, I think yeah, that he's an amalgamation of like all fandoms just walking yes. around. Mm, yes. So when you come into contact with him, because like <laughs> I met Kenny as a Yu-Gi-Oh player, and then we ended up finding out that we like 
a lot of the same things, like so many different mm-hmm. things yeah. that we have in common. And I realized, how are you friends with these other people who I do not know, mind you, who do these activities that I do not do at all? And somehow you're great friends with them too. It's like literally just he has so many groups of friends, like so many pockets of friends. And it's so interesting how that works. Like I just have basically my Yu-Gi-Oh friends and my non-Yu-Gi-Oh friends. And that's it. Just like two groups. And they're both pretty small groups, but Kenny has like fucking so many different pockets of friends because of all his different activities. So interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm, I don't know. Maybe we should interview me. Maybe we should. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, just swap the cameras around. And yeah. Yeah. Talk. Yeah. That'd be funny. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh, I should read out the. Uh, this is this is gonna be. I believe this is the last episode of the year, guys. Outside of the Patreon exclusive for December. So if you're listening and to this, yeah. just so you guys know, it was not done by accident. There's a uh, a YouTube clip that just came out. Um, you know, we do clips of our podcast, and the clip that just came out was from the last episode of the year last year. Oh wow! The last episode of the year last year was Scott Page. And uh, I just put that YouTube clip out, um, I believe, today. Um, so the last episode of the year last year was Scott Page. That A clip of that came out last year, and you can listen to the whole episode on Spotify and on Patreon. And uh, I did that because I knew we were going to be recording what I believe to be the last episode, public episode of the year today. So. Yes. Yep, and that is right. Yeah, so Patreon will get an exclusive episode, as always, for the month of December. Uh, and so we're still looking for a topic on that we might end up just doing like a a recap of not only the holidays but just our year um but if you guys have anything that you want us to talk about and you're listening to this on that patreon exclusive episode for the month of december just definitely put it in the podcast suggestions or whatever uh but yeah we have uh, a couple people on patreon who we really want to give a shout out to you guys are in the uh, party member tier or higher and we are really appreciative that you have been supporting the podcast most of you have been here like for more than a year, um, the whole year. So any amount of time that you've been on the Omnir podcast supporting us like this, we really, really appreciate that. Don't forget, we do have a free tournament for everyone in our Discord server coming up at the end of the year as well. Um, and that is going to be the Unhinged Cup, if you don't know the name. The Unhinged Cup, where it's Edison format, but you are allowed to play any one card from the TCG's history. So you could play something from 2023. You could play fucking Trishula, Scrap Dragon. You could play anything you want. Like one, you get one card in your deck and it could be from any part of the Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG from the beginning all the way to 2023. Uh, Even the Blue-Eyes White Dragon? You can even Mm -hmm. play Blue-Eyes White Dragon. Yep, you can literally play anything you want. It's completely up to you. taking shape. Yeah. So that's something uh, that we're doing, and that's just that the the prize pool is going to be a hundred dollars. Um, and if anyone donates, we'll immediately throw that into the prize pool as well. Uh, so yeah, just to show appreciation, also just do something fun because it's nice to switch it up every once in a while. The the Frozen Soul Cup went really well, so we were thinking about doing something similar. But anyways, to the shoutouts, we have Connie always number one, Ron. Uh, Ronathan is home for the holiday. Leon, Gladiator Beast, our S tier. Xavier, Hylian, Dimitri Barnes, Leamy, Kit Cuisine, Ron Ron's mom, Giovanni Avalos, Alex Flamer, Henri Reynolds, Dan Vrabel, First to Home, Mitchell Naus, uh, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, Roz Weiss, The Guy Who Stays 10 Minutes After 4, Sarah Maria, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, MSW2389, Kyle Batelho, Guacus Extra, Sugal, Vicky Venemon, Elijah Barfoth, and then. I want to say before I read these off, I I, I love all of the Ronathan and Volvi yes things that are still so here. So <laughs> with that said, a true hero, Tyler Tadeo, Volvi, the Mega Monarch, Enraged Peacock, Jenner two one five, James A, Thomas Rue, Jeff Strain, Brian Moore, Ty P three three six is a true sidekick, Gingerilla, Michael of the Illuminati and ENT Collectibles. I'm just a little nasty sometimes. <laughs> Frozen Go Dojo. Uh, Auntie did nothing wrong, as in the Anti Monitor. 
What, I wonder. Anti did nothing wrong. Interesting. Who is that about? Let me know. David V, Nextastic, B Dog, Felipe Glenn, Joey Aguera, Hershey Bar, and Poister, and finally Romeo, Junk Centron, Schneider. I love Impoister, by the way. I don't know why, but something about Impoister sounds uh, just, it just does that and COVID nostalgia. I love those names. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so, so much for your support. It has been a fantastic year doing this. The podcast has grown a lot. I didn't know that we would end up with over 100 Patreon uh, subscribers this year, but who knew that something that we started uh, on a whim two years ago, over two years ago now, I think, uh, will grow. It's been about maybe two and a half at yeah, this like, point. Yeah, like around July 2021 is our birthday, so July 15th, 2021. Um, yeah, it's it's just so crazy that this podcast has gotten to this point, so really appreciative of that. Thank you so much, Nick Dandy, for stopping by. We definitely hope to have you again because I have a lot that I want to say, and I'm realizing that you're a great conversationalist, and so it's really pleasant to have someone who has... Thank you. I appreciate that, that. Yes, someone who has that ability, and also someone who has a pretty good webcam too because we often come across no offense but we this, come across people who just don't have oh, setups this is not mine you'll oh, never well, get this again whatever yeah he uh because currently you know you moved to new zealand for a job yeah. um and then currently i guess you're on holiday you went back to australia yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so temporary setup yeah but, well uh, whatever the case may be you made you made it happen for the i'm there podcast on today and we appreciate that happy holidays to everyone whatever you uh celebrate happy holidays to you have a blessed one and if we don't say it at any other point happy new year because a lot of people will not hear mm-hmm. the uh, patreon exclusive episodes so if you're not on patreon you can't hear the patreon exclusive obviously but happy holidays to everyone listening to this and thank you and one special so long gay bowser for 2023 yes do the things that make you happy including learning about game design and subscribing to OnlyFans if you spend a lot of time on that girl's Twitter or that guy's Twitter. <laughs> get them get some money. It's Christmas. That subscription only costs you $5.99. Get that boy some money. He's been showing his dick and ass on Twitter for the entire year, giving you two-minute clips. You can give him $5.99 or her, whatever. But yeah, anyways, guys, peace out. <laughs> <laughs>